This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 900, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. And we're live to tape, kind of. <laughs>
my name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Hey there. And joining us this week in the Ron Richards Memorial Third Chair is Dr. Ryan Haupt. We did Welcome. it, guys. I was, I'm so proud to be have been here for all 900. So we are live. As said, uh, there's people watching us record this in the chat room. Hello, everyone in the chat. They have a little scroller in the bottom with stats about the show that I spent some time on this week. So they can enjoy that. And you can all enjoy that if you go to YouTube. Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 900, the show 18 years in the making, Josh. Yes, feels like it. A little cursed, this episode. Normally record Friday. We had to move it from my work thing. Ryan had trouble finding internet that worked in, in the hollows of West Virginia. And I have a splitting sinus oh, no. headache that makes it feel like a little man is hammering a stake into my brow every few seconds. So I'm trying to pep up the energy to maybe pep up the endorphins. It should be noted that earlier he admitted to some irritability. <laughs> yeah, so just I'm trying, not, I'm trying to really mind. just not be irritable, you know. Mm-hmm. It hurts. It's been doing it for three days now. I'm also constantly, that's my secret. I'm always, always irritable. irritable. That's right. Mm-hmm. This is a special show, folks. We are iFanboy. We like comic books. Every week we read a bunch of comics, and so one of us picks the best book they read. Call that the pick of the week, and we talk about that book on this podcast, along with other books of the week. This is an old script, and various other topics of interest. Normally, that's how we do it, but this week it's a special anniversary show, which means we're going to talk about the pick of the week. We're going to talk about the patron pick, and then we're going to answer emails for as long as we can sit upright or have to go to work in the morning. So before we start, I do want to point out, you know, we're doing this fun show, but, you know, Keith Giffen passed away just like 24 hours ago. And we don't, won't get to really put a tribute to him like we normally do. We'll have to save that for a future episode. And also, you know, the world is sort of on fire and terrible. And there's people who are hurting and in pain. But we're going to have fun because it's okay to have fun even when things are terrible. But Connor does have to tell you about those terrible things prior to that. Well, I mean, it's important that we don't acknowledge what's going on. So here's your spoiler warning. Exercise some caution. There might be spoilers in the pick of the week or the email section. Who the hell knows? We don't care anymore. Josh, you had to pick the three anniversary shows in a row. Yeah, apparently that's my thing. Um, and and before we get started, let's let's acknowledge uh, this uh, 900th episode and really take this time to put a spotlight on uh, selective breeding and eugenics. I just want to make sure that I get this out before we get going. Oh, no. and- <laughs> Josh made it 900 episodes before really just sticking his. <laughs> I, like, I really thought about. It. I was like, how far can his you real go agenda with into this? everything? Mm-hmm. Pick of the week is Amazing Spider-Man number 929. Wouldn't it be cool if it was 900 and it was synchronous with the thing? Uh, or 20, we're 20. Well, a couple of those books are. Off. I think Flash is. I think Flash is synced up. Oh, cool. This, uh, this storyline of, oh, it looks like I deleted that. So I'm going to make this up for a second until I fix it. I've kept, some, I've kept. Well, uh, the final the, issue the of the superior. Norman Osborn sins of Norman Osborn storyline. Yeah. And so I, I, the, there's the thing that happened here that I noticed as I was reading it is that just, it hit so many markers for me, um, in sort of bringing in the landing, but also sort of keeping it afloat a little bit. And I, there was a, there's a very specific moment where at the, so basically we have evil Spider-Man. He has been imbued with, uh, he, he has internalized Norman Osborn's sins, which Norman was cleansed of. And he's an asshole. And he just like his thing is like, it just feels so good to be so bad. And 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 Norman has to go warn um Mary Jane and her and her pretend husband. Uh which by the way, I thought he was gone. I thought we were done with it. It was just the kids though. <laughs> right. I was like, what's he still doing around? And I love that he's a schlub. Like he's just some dude. He's a, just and a normal like, Come dude. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, so it, it, you know, and we, she's got her 
she's got her powers and they start to square off. And I just thought, this is not okay. I was, I was generally like, do you remember there was the book? You know what I'm going to say, don't you? There was the Star Wars book. Yeah. Where Chewbacca died and you just mm. went, I'm not doing this. That's when I stopped reading Star Wars books. Yeah. Right. And, and, and at the same time, oh, you we go way back to the Masters of Terrace Kazi in which you could pit, it was a fighting game in which you could pitch, uh, pit different people against each other. And our friend Jared refused to play because it was a world in which Chewbacca and Han Solo could fight. And he, he wouldn't have it. He and, wouldn't and be I part of that world. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I thought here. And it doesn't quite happen. Like they skirt the edge of that. Cause I was like, I don't want, like, you do not want to see him hit her. Like, yeah, there's no oh, way out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't have that panel exist. I mean, it's dumb enough that she's got the powers, but let's just move on from that. I, just, you know what? I also just realized for the first time as I was reading this that her name is Jackpot, and I went, "Oh, <laughs> she finally faced Tiger." Although, if if he had hit her, he could have said, "Now I've hit the jackpot." And and just before that happens, uh, you know, the the a bunch of stuff happens, and he's cleansed of sin. You know, basically that's where we get to. And I found that to be incredibly relieving that the, I didn't have to read this for six months. Yeah, you know, there's a fine like couple that. of issues to do that, but I don't want. You know. And the and then and then the sort of the next part that got me is that he's he's Peter is sort of recovering a couple of days later, and he's like, "There's only one thing I found for a guilty conscience," and it's just a wonderful splash page of him swinging and pulling his mask on and i went oh man that's how a splash page is supposed to feel two weeks in a row for you with these splash pages i just i I just thought wow that was just textbook splash page the the composition was great the speed lines the the perspective around the buildings behind him i I really love that it's he's pulling it over his face we spent so much time like half seeing superheroes faces especially since the movies and i was like Mm -hmm. this is one that makes sense this was when it reminds me of when that was special like you never saw him with his mask sort of halfway off like that unless it was just like a moment and then finally as we come into the last couple of pages you see you see norman and and you and like this whole time you're thinking oh god he's gonna go back and they really and i've been saying all along is like oh it's we know he's gonna get them back and and it's gone on long enough and he's been good enough that I am starting to feel like, man, I kind of don't want him to go back. I like this figure that he's become, but this is drama. Yep. You you must p- pull it out. And then the way that it was captured on that final page, it's a sideways shot of his face. You just see his nose and mouth uh, close in and you just see this tiny little <laughs> with the evil smile. Yep. And then the second to two panels after that, where the drawing is he covers his, his mouth and 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 is just he's shocked in his eyes. We back up. We see he's holding his two hands over his face. He doesn't want it to happen. We know it's not going to happen. We close it with a classic "the end?" question mark. I mean, it was it was a really well done melodramatic uh, uh, textbook kind of superhero story where all the things that happened in it were things that you don't want to happen. But that's again, right. that's how it works. And it, it, I, I just a lot went down, and it wrapped up really quickly. It wasn't, didn't exist for too long. All the things that I don't typically like very much, this red goblin lady or whatever, like it was all fine. They foreshadowed sort of Norman's fall, which I mean, we all I think knew was inevitable. But there's a great moment with him and Mary Jane, where he just kind of despondently says, "I enjoyed getting to know you, Mary Jane," and that's the moment when I, I personally realized, like, "Oh, he's not coming back from this. Like, something's going to happen. And he's going to revert inevitably, as he always would do." But um, I agreed with you, Josh. Like the 
the what, the pathos they brought to the character actually brought me to a point where I'm like, yeah, I kind of don't want him to revert right away, but I understand why. Well, you want to believe that something can go from bad to good. You want to believe in redemption. You you know, and and in comic books, you know, every you know, it's about that. It's about the wish fulfillment and then pulling it away. Well, there's also, I mean, to even it, to even go more it classical enough. with it, you know, the the idea of a Greek tragedy is the outcome is inevitable and it's watching the people take the steps that they take to reach that inevitable tragic outcome is the story. And this felt, you know, Norman's arc through this story at least felt very much that sort of classical tragic narrative of, you know, he, he really wanted something else for himself, but it was never going to happen that way. And watching, watching how the pieces fell into place was really interesting. Right. Yeah. I'm ready for him to go back. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. Zeb Wells is like, has constructed this very long, uh, sort of story with the, the, you know, stuff that happened in the beginning is still having reverberations. The story, wait a minute. Who was, did he do the, he didn't do the Sin Eater arc. Was that Nick Spencer? Yes. yes. I don't know. I think it was Spencer's last arc. It was, I think it was Spencer's last arc. Was right. he building that the I whole way? I, I, I don't yeah. think Zeb set that up, but I think he Zeb took started the with the jump, with the time jump. He started with the uh, five it's, year later. It's jump. his fault. She's with the schlub. But again, that's right. one of those things like, you hate it. They're right there. And you're just like, come on. This is like when uh, Nurse Hathaway was going to marry uh, Tag. And you're like, you can't do that. Doug's right there. And, and doc, <laughs> Dr. The Tagliari was also. Everybody right. wants yeah. the thing to happen. And you do that. And the sh- it's over. You got. They have to leave the show. Yeah. I know. You totally. got to spin string it along forever. It was, it was a satisfying conclusion. And those are rare. I enjoyed my books. I would say that. When I was reading this, I thought, "Wow, oh, that was that was really solid," and nothing else really popped up. It was just, it was kind it was of. A, a, it was also a, a, a story, tiny week too. Soul Survivor, small week. I read, I read a lot of books. I mean, I made an effort. Well, you made an effort, yeah. Unlike usual, Ryan, you did you enjoy this arc? Are you enjoying? Spider-Man? I did, yeah, actually. I, so I did. we're the only three people who likes this arc, which is fine. I wasn't entirely sure you did. What are you talking about? We talk about our issue and how great it is. You see, you sound more critical than I feel like I'm sounding. I feel like I am being I'm more not critical. I, all I said was I was ready for him to return to being bad. I didn't. That's literally the only thing I said about the book. That's fair. That's fair. Patrick Gleason, I got. I got to give credit to. I think, and he hasn't been the only artist. And this was Ed McGinnis for a while. Yeah. Um, well, these books come out so often they have to have multiple teams. Yeah, he he was he did it. He did exactly the job that he was supposed to do on this. He's he's one of those artists that is kind of a yeoman. Uh, but I think he's he's great. He, he's the right blend of cartooning and 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 storytelling and action, all those things. Some of the Spider-Man puzzles in this are great. All right, so that's the book we wanted to or had to talk about. But at Patreon.com/slash iFanboy, every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. This week it was a tight race, uh, but at the end of the day, the winner was Wesley Dodds, The Sandman, number one, story by Robert Venditti, Riley Rasmo on art, and Ivan Placencia and Tom Napolitano on letters uh this was the i think this was the winner by a fair number of votes but we mentioned this book briefly last week because we were like i oh i said what does robert venditti have on somebody at dc that he gets he gets to do a wesley dodd sandman miniseries but there's three jsa miniseries there's, next week is jay garrick and there's an alan scott one coming so they're still trying to do some justice society stuff they thought they were going to blow up after after the after um black adam but black adam that did not happen. But I was excited to see it. I love the original team. I love the, the Riley Rossmo art. I love Robert Venditti. And I really quite enjoyed this. I didn't love love it, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I'm looking forward to the, the rest of the series. Would this have been your pick of the week? 
just through lack of options, possibly. I think I'm in the same camp. This might have been my pick as well. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think of it, Ryan? I really enjoyed it. I mean, I I think we've all been a fan of Riley Rossmo's art since Proof, which I think was his Proof. debut in yep. at least relatively, I know it's an indie comic, but well-known comics. And Robert Venditti is an author that um, I've dipped in and out on, not through any fault of his writing, but just through the stories he wants to tell and the characters he wants to work with. But I'm a fan of Wesley Dodds. I don't know. He's one of those characters that I have an affection for and I couldn't tell you why, but I just, I I just love the idea of the golden age Sandman with his little gas gun and the parallels to the, the sort of old school Batman of just like, he's a rich dude with a Butler and he just wants to fight crime and make a city a little better. It's just, um, it's a formula that works. It works for a reason. And these two creators on the book, I thought really made it sing. It had like rocketeer vibes. It had almost Adam West with uh, Adam West era, Batman of like Alfred waiting in the car vibes. And I just, uh, I was, I was all about it. Yeah. I thought this was beautiful. I mean, I I liked the story quite a bit and for all the reasons you just said, but I I mean, I'm a sucker for Riley Rossmo and this, this kind of weird, Book. It's not even a weird book, but Sandman's character is mm-hmm. just a little off from the rest of the Justice Society, and so you got this crime noir tale in the in the dirty city. And he really he really works with these making these characters exaggerated. The stuff in World War One were were appropriately scary, and I liked he did really cool stuff like putting the panels inside of his Sandman's silhouette, and I really liked the shot of the JSA. I wish he would do a JSA book. Josh, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts were that it was very good. In in uh, I thought it was really well done. It didn't give me that special feeling so much. I think it largely felt sort of familiar. I don't have a he. I, I'd like to say I thought I had like an affection for this character and know a lot about it, but it turns out I don't really have a lot. I think one of the strong things was that as you said it, like he's a little off, he's a little weird, he's a little right. mousy, and I I don't know that I have a handle on who the character is, but sort of the idea, like it is very Batman-y. I was like, this is very familiar. This feels like Batman year one or something like that. And so we're getting a lot of points out of the era. We're getting a lot of points out of sort of the, the tone and the setting, which makes me sort of like it more than I really liked the story. Just in that I wasn't, there wasn't a lot I was sort of surprised about through this thing. I thought it was cool more than I was, it was compelling. Mm-hmm. I will say that I think this might be some of the best Riley Rossmo art I've ever seen. It's really, really good. Which I think is something we say every time he puts out a new book. I don't. I I feel like there's something to expect with him, and he has such a unique take on things. But it gets produced different ways, depending on who colors him, you know, all of, all of that kind of stuff. But in this, if you go throughout and you look, like, he put a lot into it. I think the compositions are exactly perfect for the dreaminess of it like it's all the real world but it's a little extra romantic and it's a little just a bit surreal here and there i, I mean the art was perfect and i i really he he needs a ton of credit right yeah that's my my general thought on it i thought it was fun i, I mean, like i said it wasn't it didn't blow my socks off but i actually was really happy when i finished like oh man it felt good i've been a fan of the jsa since the late 80s when they when they were dabbled bringing them back and i don't know why other than there were the when you read the books and you were in the mythology, they were this mythical group, you know, that people were always referring to as being so great. So whenever I saw a bit of them, I was like, oh, shit. And then I would go read the old, you know, Bronze Age, Silver Age stuff that I could get my hands on. And you'd read those crossover stories. So they were kind of this mysterious team that I've always liked. You know, we were big fans of theirs in the 2000s when Jeff Johns and James Robinson wrote it. And, you know, they just haven't been done overly well since 2011. There's been bits here and there. The stuff that's been more recent has been good. The stuff since Jeff Johns sort of 
reestablish them in those miniseries, but they just squandered this team for so long. They're just they're such great characters. They are great characters, but they're definitely a bit of a acquired taste isn't the right, but they're a very specific thing. And I think that Jeff Johns specifically was very much able to thread that needle in a way that made them more appealing to maybe more people than they would normally, just because of how good he is at eking out the essences of these people and, and making you sort of care about them. Like he does. That's his, you know, that that's his special talent. I think there's something about Sandman in particular that like most of the other heroes of the JSA, there are, they're openly heroic in what they're doing. You know, the, the green lantern is saving people with constructs, flash is running around helping people. Sandman's like putting bad guys to sleep, which is a little creepy. It's a little, <laughs> subversive it's reminiscent of what someone like scarecrow does or mr fear like he has like sort of this villainous element to his heroics that i find and it's tied into like gassing people during world war one so a, a gas pat a gas mask never makes you feel good no no if somebody approaches you in an old-timey gas mask that's not going to make you feel good like it yeah. just isn't that, that that's a that's a bellwether of danger <laughs> somebody walks into your room and they're wearing a gas mask you don't go oh cool that's a cool mask but like, no, unlike never. Batman, he's not, he's not saying he's not going around his, his milieu is not, I'm going to strike fear into the hearts of criminals. Like I'm just gonna put these criminals to sleep. And to me, that's like, there's a creepiness to that. That makes him somewhat compelling in ways that some of the other JSA characters, I like all the JSA characters, but I just think there's something, uh, there's a slight difference there. But they went into it here with, with, I think a, a believable premise is that like mm-hmm. he, he abhors violence. Like his yeah. whole deal in this is that he wants to sell non-lethal methods of pacification to the military and they laugh him out of the building. And that's so like, that's his thing. He's it's not, he's trying to be creep. It is. Don't get me wrong. There's an element of, because it's always going to be like sleep. Like it's, it's <laughs> there's, there's no way around it. I've been thinking that for the last five minutes, but he's a good dude. I have to say that cover is exemplary. That cover, the design of the typography at the top, the composition, like we've talked about covers that don't do anything. The cover for the pick of the week, is entirely forgettable and not great. Uh, That Spider-Man cover. This cover, I started by looking at it just now, and I see the two figures on the ground sort of gasping the way that they are uh, positioned between his legs and outside of it. They're the only pop of color that's going on in the background at all, so you can't help but look at them. The way that the the gas uh, sort of curls around him, him holding the gun up over his own logo, the script of the name above the the logo, it's all really lovely. And the colors yep. through the whole thing are great. I got that's it's five terrific. out of five for that cover. All right. So ratings on ratings. Wesley Dodds. I love say that again. <laughs> say that again with the echo. Ratings. I like that you're wow. coming to us from a lecture hall. You should record music in that room because yeah. that was amazing. Thank you. I think Thank John you. Bonham did his drums in there. <laughs> ratings on Wesley Dodds, the same number one, ratings out of five. Uh, I'm going to give it a four and a quarter. Four. You're just going four? Yeah. There was a thing here where I thought I could really love this. And if I'm going to be honest, a Venditti script has never blown me away with whatever that special sauce is that a lot of people have. He does a fine job, but I wish I could say it excited me, but it didn't. I'm also going to go four and a quarter. I think I was, yeah, I think that's, that's where I'm at. Riley Rossmo and it gets a gets a five. Colors get a five. So you're averaging out on it right up to the three? I guess. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't right. matter. No, it doesn't. 
I just love the JSA when they're done right, when they're done true to their origins in the proper timeline. There, this book takes place in the mm-hmm. 30s. It just makes me happy. And the Riley Osmar was terrific. I'm sticking with it. Everyone's sticking with it. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. All right. All right. There you go. That is the patron pick. So that's exciting. So, guys, <laughs> it's email time. But first, am I the only one drinking because Ryan's got to drive back to the house? I mean. What is that? What are you showing me? Oh, it's a growler. I got a, I got a, a little half growler. You got beer in it. Yeah, so I got a little uh, half growler of beer. This is from Stumptown Ales in Davis, West Virginia, where I am at the moment. Stumptown, because this was a timber town 100 years ago, and I've just been pouring it into this Yeti mug, so it stays nice and chilled. This is a multiple Hopgasms Imperial IPA from Stumptown. Stumptown prides themselves on their uh, hop-based elixirs featuring well-hopped IPAs and other beers. But everything they make is great. I know there are people who don't like IPAs, but this is what this brewery is known for, and I had to drive past it on my way into my quote-unquote studio or lecture hall if you will so i I picked it up and i'm gonna sip on that a little bit as well as some water in a blackwater bikes water bottle the local bike shop the great thing is you don't disappoint like tell us about your beer it's never disappointing thank you true Uh, (laughs) i have a i have a half a coke zero here and then uh, when that's gone what i have here is, is a full yeti tumbler 30 ounce version uh what we have in here is a uh, one to two ratio of fruit punch Gatorade zero and water. So regular Gatorade's too thick. I've given up on alcohol fully. It doesn't make me feel good. I wasn't expecting that, and I, therefore I appreciate it. I'm starting off with a celebratory French 75, which is gin and champagne. I'm pr- going to move to something less intense that sounds after potent. that. Yeah, that's why I just want the one. But it's a nice mm. celebratory drink. If I drank that much in less than two hours, I'd be on the floor. And then I feel shitty for two Listen, days. Listen, it save you a lot of money. I don't want to tell you what they charge for drinks out there right now, but it's it seems to be outpacing inflation. All right. Email time. That was what we were drinking. Email time. We asked you all to send in your emails so that we may answer them in as best manner as possible. And as you notice on listening, as less as possible. In the beginning, we give like five-minute answers. And by the end of it, it's like, yeah, 12, <laughs> next. That's just how it goes. And we're trying to get to the end and go to sleep. I also wanted to mention, um, you know, as, as it always happens, you guys all attach real nice messages and platitudes in either, either the top or the bottom of your email. And thank you. We, all of them are read, but we're not going to read them on the show just for, to save some time. I don't see those, by the way. So if you have nice things to say to me, you can send those to me directly. You have access to the email? Uh, I think I do, but I don't. Joe Nuts. I don't remember anything nice about you, though. Yeah, that's maybe why I don't check. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what you want to do is you want to go into it and search the other guy <laughs> and you'll see any comments i miss that other guy all right jason r from colorado springs colorado what do each of you consider to be the most influential comic ongoing miniseries og and single issue etc published since 1990 maybe a bendis book like ultimate spider-man miller's civil war ultimates death of superman etc just to be clear i'm asking which comic influenced the comic industry the most and not which one is your favorite because he doesn't want me to say preacher. Right. I appreciate that he put some examples in there to sort of prime the pump, as it were. Mm-hmm. Which I, ones? I would, say the, I would say that Civil War doesn't count. Yeah. Okay, no. 1990 is a long period. That covers two eras of comics, two different eras. So, I mean, to influence the, the, you know, everything, I mean, isn't that like Spawn or, or you know, something like what what's the what was the biggest book that came out that like when Image launched? Uh, of all the books, I think it it was yeah. either Spawn or probably Wildcats. 
just from the oh, I think I think you asking that question just gave me my answer, Josh. But go on. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. I th- I just think it's just too long of an era. I think it's The Walking Dead. I agree with you. Thank you. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, 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 I'm not saying that's the answer, but it's a very valid and cogent uh, answer. Yeah, I mean, we could we could probably name ten books. The problem is which one's the most, and that's hard to say. I, I wouldn't say that had like people in the chat room are saying the authority. That definitely be in my my head because that, that I, th- I think authority is in the conversation for sure. The writing style and the art style changed the whole industry for like ten years, and that's why I'm t- 1990s now is so hard because there's books in the 90s that influenced like Spawn and things like that, uh, that influenced that whole part of the world. And then, you know, the Gotham night, not Gotham Knights, the Marvel Knights stuff comes out and that influences the Marvel Knights stuff like, is, is also the, that's a, there's a good argument for Marvel Knights stuff. ultimate Spider-Man. And you have daredevil from Kevin Smith. Like there's all, there's all these different books. Marvel Knights to me though, is still an offset of vertigo. It's like taking the vertigo formula and applying it to, to mainstream comics is the way I look at it. So originally what I was going to say is, it might be Sandman, but that started in 88 as I yeah. look. But to me, something like that, um, I want to say it's something – it's going to be something that takes place outside of mainstream comics. Sandman's a good that, answer too. That, But it starts in 88. But it's. I feel like it's going to be something that takes place outside of the big two, but then influences the change that happens in the big two, which is why the authority is a really good answer. Yeah, the authority is a really good answer. Well, authority was DC at the time. No, it was one. Wildstorm. That was, when D- Wildstorm. was Wildstorm. Yeah. Was that it, wasn't a, it was wasn't it, DC then? It was DC was Wildstorm? Yeah, because that's when Alan Moore, Alan Moore had left because remember they sold to DC. Yeah, but they were still sort of running as their own thing. It wasn't like it was pulled. Like you're right, but it's 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 well, it's like only, saying Vertigo's not DC. It's DC. It, technically. But I, I when I'm saying Marvel or DC, I'm talking about the main lines of superhero comics. Those were imprints, offshoots. No, I mean like they were related in name, but they didn't have any editorial and I control. Think, I mean, okay. So there's also another, you know, one of the suggestions from uh, Jason was ultimate Spider-Man, like that's, that's of the comics of the comics that were listed in, in their short list and the ones we've talked about, that's the only one that led to an Oscar winning character in a feature film produced by a major studio, Miles Morales, like that, you know, that's pretty influential. Yeah, but he's talking about influencing the comics industry, not not just the world. Yeah, world. I agree with that, and I don't know that it did influence the comic series, other than it got Bendis a lot so more. Which work comic doing influenced the, the comic book industry? Bendis. And I wouldn't say fair that. enough. Fair enough. That's a, okay. A good clarification. I, let's just all pick one because we could do this for another half hour. I, just, I'm going with the. I, uh, you're going with The Walking Dead. Well, no, no. You, I mean, you're you're right in the pointing out that the influence comic book industry. You know, when you mention The Walking Dead, I'm talking about a half a dozen TV shows, so that. Yeah, I still think I still think The Walking Dead's a decent answer because of the Kirk, Kirk Manifesto that we all. Oh, and, 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 and for sure, and the the the, sh- the seismic shift in how a creator could make their living in in a yeah. in a pr- purely professional standpoint. You know, I, I like you could say it was Kirkman. You could say like I I think if you were going to talk about like creators who changed things, yeah, yeah, I, I'd you're pick down him to, more than the you're down to Robert Kirkman and Mark Miller more so Kirkman, but. Right, pick one, pick one. I'm, I'm going to go with the authority. I agree with I agree with that, and I'm I'm going to. Yeah, that's. By the way, the thing where I said big two, that was just me talking, so it doesn't really matter. It's not yeah, the, the authority, the authority. I think that book, that book changed everything. The authority or Ultimate Spider-Man. I think I waver between the two of those. I'm I'm happy with any of those three answers. Honestly, I don't I don't think Ultimate Spider-Man. All right, that's fair enough for reasons I stated. Josh, but, number two, Morgan B. 
Should I watch Picard if I'm familiar with the next generation and have seen episodes over the years and generally know the characters, but I'm not a super fan and I'll watch most of the next generation. Uh, he wrote TNG and I at least knew enough to know what that I was. I was impressed. I listened listen to the pot in two. This is the second question. I listened to the podcast at 1.2 speed in the unlikely case that I met you guys in real life. Would your voices sound weird to me? I talk pretty fast and a yeah, lot. I don't know how they listen to 1.2 speed. It's like a, it was just turned into like a, I, I couldn't, I can't do that. And not because I can't handle it, but because I know it's not their voice. And, and like the fidelity of hearing somebody's voice at the, I mean, this is like some artistic dumbass shit, but like there's a reason that people talk at the speed and in the way they do. And by changing it, you're taking away some of their intent. And I, yeah. I don't like that. I don't think there's anything podcasters hate more than hearing that people are listening at max speed. Um, Ryan, you're a scientist. Are you very hard? Picard, sure. I mean, yeah, you can watch it. Will you find it as, as emotionally impactful having not watched it all? Yeah, but it'll probably probably still enjoy it. Um, it's fine. It's a good sh- it's a good fun sci fi show regardless. If you know what's going, you know all the characters that pop up doesn't really matter. But the Easter eggs and stuff and the reveals and I'm sure there's all also just the emotional gut punch of the third season won't get to you as much because you haven't you know haven't mm-hmm. seen them all. But that's fine. Um, and then one point two, you know, Ryan, is there any scientific basis for him uh, sounding weird to him? Um, I listen to my podcast at 1.25 and when I crank it back down to one, if I'm listening like with somebody else, everyone on the show sounds drunk. So I guess if you're listening to episode, uh, 800 of iFanboy, I recommend cranking me up to two or three times the speed, but everyone else you can leave normal. And then, um, that'd be a good algorithm. <laughs> be like, hey Ryan, what do you think? Well, the thing I'm going to say about this, I think it's a bit yeah, that's true. Um, and then I'm not. I, I'm a guy. I'm a guy who likes the concept of Star Trek more than I've ever liked any Star Trek thing I've watched. So I can't really speak to Fair. the Star Trek question. Um, but y- it's fine. But yeah, is it, how weird would we sound at one point two speed? You, you, since you listen at that speed, how different is it? I, it's different. It's different for me just because I know you both and I know the cadence at which you speak regularly but like most other shows that i listen to i don't have a relationship with those people outside of the podcast so once you adjust like i have found that now i'm really locked into 1.25 like i (laughs) okay this is this is real i was listening i was trying to catch up on some old star wars minutes and they were josh's minutes and i tried to crank it up to 1.5 and i couldn't deal i had to go back down to 1.25 and i could handle 1.25 but at one all of you sounded drunk to me because you were slower so than I was. So are you talking. saving – wait, over the course of an hour-long podcast, you are saving – this math is difficult 15 for me minutes. this time. You're not saving a quarter of the time. Not quite, are no. You? So it's it's what? 20 uh, minutes? 10 minutes? I, I, hmm. I have done the math before, but I don't have it off the top of my head and I can't Google anything so, without crashing my connections. So. Here's what I would think. We, we know this I was a joke question, that, by the way. If we continue, I know. I think that the the timbre of my own voice is just at the edge of how many mids a, a person should sound like or be, and I can't imagine it being any higher and readier. It would be terrible. I don't get you, away with you. You nice know what's interesting voice. is the 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 one person that I have a hard time listening to shows at one point two five speed with is Ron. Actually, that has nothing to do with the speed. <laughs> so. <laughs> We're going to get to 10 emails this, this time. I just can't wait to get it over with. I just crank it all the way um, to three or five times. I will say, I will say, I mean, there are philosophical issues and I, I don't want to talk about this anymore, but you know, there, there's the idea of if you're listening, if you're not listening to the original recording uh, with the original pauses and, you know, inflections and things, 
then you're not really listening. You're just consuming. It's like you're cheating as content and not as, a, you know what I mean? You're just, you're just trying to get it done as fast as possible so you can get to the next thing to get done as fast as possible. And then what's the point of doing anything? You're just consuming to consume. That's what I think. That's, you know, I couldn't imagine doing, you know, I can't imagine listening to a We're song. We're not exactly the Rachmaninoff three. No, but I'm just saying it's it's about it's about getting it done more than it is in actually listening to it. I think I, I get yeah, it. I, I mean, we're comic book fans. We all have stacks of unread books. Sometimes, like if I, if you could read your books at 1.25 speed and mostly get, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not arguing against you. I'm just saying that like I'm subscribed to more podcasts than I have hours in the week to listen to them. So I at, at a certain point years ago just hit, hit the button to crank it up to 1.25 instead of one, and it helps me get through a few more of the shows that I like in a given week. And I'm used, I've adjusted mentally to the change in pace. Do those shows feel like things that you're enjoying or do they feel like a thing you have to do? Um, depends on the show. Hmm. Depends on the show. Maybe you stop listening to some of them. That is a valid, uh, <laughs> that is a valid suggestion. I, I, listen, I, th- and then we I have to stop talking about this. All audiobooks. I'm just saying we have to move on. There's a question two. Uh, who's up? Uh, Ryan's Me. up. Jason, th- Jason number three. Jason S. I've been thinking about this for years. What happened to ongoing bits like Forgive My Variants, Mid-Level Red Skull, and Couchsurfing Black Panther? Are there any current consistency you see turning into bits? I like that he changed the name so as we could not sue him for using the names. He just 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 changed them. For, what's Forgive My Variants? That, has, that rings no bell. He might not be a native English speaker. Forgive him changing the names. He changed middle management. Oh, 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 I thought that was school. the first example. That no, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it's a different show. We talked about this sometimes before. Uh, without Ron, we don't tend to go off as on such wild tangents because because Ron laughs at everything, and so it's fun to get him laughing, and then we all start laughing, and we want to keep going. So that's really what happened. Josh and I. I just sort of, it's just the show sort of changed as the years have gone on. And, and you know, that's what happened, I think. Is that, do you agree with that, Josh? I'd say that's about right. And we do find little bits that we like to play around in for a bit, but we tend to not use them like catchphrases. Yeah. Because I feel like there's always another thing that can come up. And then by the time we come back to the next show, I don't remember. I've moved on. That probably has a lot to do with it. You did say mayhem last week or the week before. Yeah, but that was like a little nostalgic. Like, I, and I had to work at it. Right. You're like, what was the thing? Yeah, I mean the bits are fun. I miss the bits, but um, it's just what if you listen to show. the bits at a slightly higher speed? You think <laughs> that they would be more or less impactful? All right, let's do um, Greg M from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, food question. Finally, what is each host's food? They swear they make better than anybody. Their signature dish, if you will. Ryan, we don't have time. For a oh, whole I have a thing. I have a one dish answer. I'm I'm ready Go for this for one. Easy shrimp and grits. Right. Huh? Shrimp and grits. No one can no, touch that's not that's that's not native to where you are from. No, that's not. I mean, there, it's definitely an Appalachian thing, but it really is more of a low country like South Carolina dish. But uh, it's a dish that I have honed, um, and and I buy really you know high quality grits and high quality shrimp, and it's a dish that I feel like when I make it, it sings, and I, I make it better than. <laughs> Anyone else uh, out just, there in, uh, that I, anyone, any other home cook? I've never, I've never had another home cook shrimp and grits that is as good as mine. What I just pictured was myself giving a eulogy at your funeral. And I would say, I know, I know at least two things about this man, high quality shrimp, high quality grits. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know what else you can say about a man. He shouldn't have been riding that motorcycle though. That's, that's the only that way we're going to be at his funeral. That's the only way it's that's going to It's weird happen. that he went straight off that cliff. <laughs> I wonder what that was about. 
Connor? Oh, boy. I don't know what Connor's answer is going to be at all. My answer is that there's nothing I cook better than a professional chef. Zero. I don't nothing. think it has to be. So it's better than anybody. Anybody's everybody in the thing, world. What's your thing that you think you cook really, which is your best thing, that you know if you give to people, people are going to say, well, it's really good and be surprised about it? Um, I think on the whole, it's um, when I do my mom's uh, Mexican burrito, because she's from San Antonio, her Tex-Mex burritos spread, like make, you know. The chicken, the onions, and all the stuff you make, the handmade guacamole, all that stuff. I can see you doing a full sort of thing. That sounds like you. That makes sense to me. And I can never have it because it's probably like four million calories. But so I, like once a quarter when I'm feeling like I've had some exercise, I can eat it. And when I read the question, my thought of, of in terms of the dishes my parents taught me. So like shrimp regrets, I kind of taught myself. But of my parents' dishes, my mom's gumbo. Uh, my mom makes, my mom went to college in uh, New Orleans and she makes an an okra thickened, not a filet thickened gumbo. And it's a seafood and uh, sausage gumbo. And it's, it's the best. And I make a really good version of it. Josh. Ready? Yep. Mashed potatoes. Yeah. Wow. I make great fucking mashed potatoes. Anybody who's eaten them. There's nothing super special about them. Sometimes I'll do, I'll add roasted garlic to them or whatever. I'm very proud of my mashed potatoes. I made them last night for the first time in a while. And my wife goes, I didn't really know, but I was so excited to eat them. And like, she was like, these are, I was like, I know. And the sad part is, guess what? My kids won't eat. Oh, <laughs> more for fine. you. Whatever. They're shitty. <laughs> Josh, read number five. Number five is Jackie from Queens. I Jackie's been around a long time. One, what are your top five lightsaber battles? <sighs> Could you name five? No, I cannot. Yeah, that's a big number. I, I can stretch to four. Okay, go yeah. ahead. The best one is uh, Luke and, and Vader and Jedi. Okay. The second best one is Vader and Obi-Wan. Third best one is Vader and Luke briefly on, on Dagobah. I'm mean, not Dagobah, Bespin and Empire. Bespin. And then fourth, I think you make the case that Rey, Kylo Ren won in Force Awakens where you first she first gets the lightsaber for the first time. I can make the case for that. I actually like the Kylo Ray one in Last Jedi better. I don't. I'm not familiar with that. I've never seen that film. Yeah, <laughs> not familiar with it. It's one. Of, it's one of the better starring wars. If oh. uh, if you're into that sort of thing, <laughs> uh, Josh. Uh, the ranking is a little hard. We're going from best to worst. You know what? There's a so, there's a photo album right behind me. It's got photos of you and me lightsaber battling in college. And I just well, can't I was reach one it. of my one of my. Otherwise, I'd show it. To one me. of mine. I know what the picture is. I I, I know it quite well. Um, all right. I'm gonna go with. Jedi Luke, uh, Invader. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, number two is going to be Bespin Luke Invader, which Ooh. is my favorite from a narrative standpoint. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Because I find that the Jedi one with the, the the building emotion to where he breaks and tries to kill his father, and then like that's like to me the more. I, I agree with that, but the outcome and what happens is unexpected because Luke is beaten. He is outmatched. He yeah, yeah. is. He, he showed know. up full of confidence and vim and vigor and he got, he, he, he didn't make it. He didn't make it intact. Three. Uh, I would go with um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul. I think yeah, that, I think that needs to be in the conversation conversation for sure. Uh, four is, is, is Ray and um, um, the boyfriend Kylo, from girls. Kylo Ren. Uh, I had to, I had to, I had to dig deep for it too. I was like, Ray and yeah. uh, 
Ben Solo. And then uh, <laughs> five, and this is, this is a long shot, but it's literally the only thing I remember about episodes two and three mm-hmm. is um, Yoda uh, bouncing around the uh, Republic Senate. Was that with Dooku? Which a lot of times you get a thing that like you've wanted to see forever. And many of the Star Wars things, it turns out that that wasn't great, but I, I, I thought, well, that's awful fun because the, the, um, the way that they conceived it and, and, and executed on it was awesome. Like he, he's little and he's bouncing around and I was like, that's great. It's yeah. dumb. I mean, in the moment I enjoyed it cause it was so mm-hmm. like not unexpected, but you know, I don't know if it jibes with the Yoda we see just a few years later who can't move at all, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. None of it makes sense. No, doesn't matter. Um, uh, second question here. This is a top five question. I think we might just do one. Gets fair. What are your top five Mark Wade stories? That's tough, by the way. Ryan, what are your top five? Quick, off the top of your head. Wait, 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 wait. I thought we're stories. We're gonna have to go with runs. I think stories. He's done like miniseries, graphic novels. I just don't remember those. That's fine. Uh, I mean, I did World's Finest. Do three. Do three. Can you do three? Um, I really, I think Mark Wade was the guy who first got me to understand what made Legion of Superheroes special. And then there was a book he did also with Barry Kitson that was about like after the bad guy had won, it was called Empire or Emperor or something like that. Do either of you know what I'm mm. talking about? Uh, c- c- uh, it was the boom one. There was the first one, which was oh, Invincible. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, no. This is something different. One, which, okay, sorry. Indestructible. No, no, but you're, you're right. Those were really good. There was Incorruptible. Irredeemable and Incorruptible. Yeah. So you had your top three? Did I hear it? Uh, no, Josh derailed me with a good alternate suggestion. So now to I'm, be fair, I'm, I thought that's what you were saying. No, it's fine. I'm not. So yeah. the book was called Empire. That was and a it good was, book. That was a really good book. So I think Empire, Legion of Superheroes, and... Um. Wait. So the there was incorruptible was the sequel series. What was the first? Irredeemable series? was the first one. Irredeemable. Yeah. I think I want to say irredeemable, but I think if World World's Finest could, if it ends on a high note, World's Finest could easily supplant any of those three. Josh, you got some off the top of your head. Three. I'm going. I'm going. I'm taking a quick run in case I forget something. Kingdom Come uh, is also really good. I I do like Kingdom Come. All right. I'm going to go with JLA Year One. Yep. Uh, his initial mm, run on yeah. the Flash. Mm. Um. And uh, uh, Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come, JLA Year One, and that's where it gets hard because he's done he's done terrific. And that first Flash run is seminal. And uh, Empire was great. Irredeemable was great. This Daredevil run with Somni was great. Superman Birthright. Superman Birthright. And 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 Which was I know controversial this- at the time, but I think there's there's some there's some stuff in that that is a worthwhile reread. And I don't know if this counts, but I would give it a an honorable mention. It would be fifty two. I think oh, that, whatever the combination of that world class accomplishment, and he had a huge thing. To I do. think I think I'm going also flash. Uh, Ryan, do six. Scott H from Portland, Oregon. Since starting iFanboy, what is the biggest change you've seen in the craft of comic storytelling? For example, have you seen writers utilize, utilizing certain techniques more or less often? More decompression, an art style or approach to the art become more or less prominent or anything else that might come to mind? I mean, to me, the biggest change in the time that we've been doing this is the trend towards uh, writing for the collection. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's the single biggest yeah. uh, effect on the form. Yeah. I also think Not there's been favorite. an overall reduction in in the amount of text on the page. 
It depends on the book, I think. It does to an extent, but you know, overall trend. Is, yeah. Is so my, we we my... started in two thousand. That was when when Earth the Authority had hit, and everybody was doing decompression and the Warren Ellis style, and then everyone else was doing the Bendis talky talky head style. Um, but I think you're right, Josh. I mean, people tried to emulate those books, and they did a certain degrees of success. But the thing that really changed the entire thing was the writing to trade. Um, and that's more. I was going to say the corporate hand in comics finally coming down, but that's not really craft. It's that, it's, like their movie counterparts. It's not craft. It's that, but it also had a big economic issue because that was where creators, especially those outside of the big two, but also within it, because they got royalties, would make their money. Like that was like the book market because all of a sudden you're not in comic stores anymore. You're in Barnes and Noble. You are you are in the New York Times bestseller list. Like it 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 changes changes the game. Um, which it gives another vote for Robert Kirkman, by the way. <clears throat> Chris L from uh, from Parts Unknown says, "Quick note to say thanks for talking up Halt and Catch Fire, the show. I finally watched it a few weeks uh, months ago and loved it. Which character on Halt and Catch Fire would you say you're most likely?" Like, which one are you, would you most likely say I am like this guy? Full disclosure, I'm a season one Gordon. This question is just really a ploy to get you to talk about the show. Um, I haven't I haven't watched it, so I'm going to, and you guys can talk about me when I have it back because I'm going to run to the bathroom. That's fine, and I think it's mostly a question. It, for it is, you should watch it. I think you would it's, enjoy it, yeah. He's gone, um, he's gone, we lost him. That's a tough one. I'm going to just look up, my, my, my joke one was that guy who, who marries, uh, what's her name? Um, <laughs> who's like, I can't put up with this. Um, let's see. I don't know. I, I, I love that show, but it's, it's, it's been a few years and I don't remember. I mean, I'd want to say uh, Boz. Like I want to be that guy. Sure, we all want to be Boz. We all wish we were Boz. I'm, I'm definitely not Joe McMillan. No, no I mean, no. if I'm anybody, you're a hundred percent, not Joe McMillan. You have no Joe McMillan tendencies in you at all. Yeah. None. Um, I mean, the closest I could say of the main characters is probably Gordon, but I'm not a genius. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, I, I didn't watch those shows. I think I am people. any of those people. No, we map better to the West Wing than we do to this. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. I guess we'll move on with that with Ryan. Um, That's fine. He could what have had to at? go three or four miles to the, to the outhouse for all we know. <laughs> He's, it's. He's probably avoiding gunfire. <laughs> right, right. Because it's nighttime and it's gun time. <laughs> just both like A, just rampant feuding. And then, of course, who can forget the, the, the threat of critters and varmints? We'll, we'll just move on to um, Michael L. Oh, here he is. Here's Ryan. He just sat back down. He survived the varmints. He survived. That's We're happy. Um, Michael L. from Maryland writes and says, on an episode earlier this year, Josh said he prefers mm-hmm. Superman the Animated Series from the 90s over Batman the Animated Series from the Easy. 90s. Why? It certainly goes against the consensus, Josh. It's light and hopeful and beautiful, and uh, I believe that Batman was really well done. But if we you know, go, we take the line from 1986 forward, everything was about being dark and gothic and brooding and it just didn't speak to me as much in the same way uh it was that was i found the superman series to be joyous um i i remember having real feelings while watching you know the show when uh the kirby funeral and i did not know who kirby was at the time but i right. remember thinking this show is fantastic the 
is Art Deco is yep. that a correct Art Deco uh, application is the for Metropolis? Yep. Absolutely, yeah. That city of tomorrow thing, those bright colors, and then just the one hundred percent capturing of the essences of those characters um, from from Lex Luthor to Clark to to Lois Lane um, was just spot on, uh, and and it. Always loved it. Ryan, stay out of the chat room. We don't. You don't need to know anything that you didn't, weren't here for. <laughs> I'll listen to the show eventually. I just. Um, I I love the Superman animated series. I I at I fanboy back when we had articles. I did uh, a series of articles looking back on the Timverse. The only show I didn't get to of the main shows was Batman the animated series. I did Justice League, both Justice League shows. I did Superman. Um, did I do a f- another show? We we, fin- we finally finished the Justice League animated series relatively recently, yeah. and. I thought it was fantastic. I loved yeah. it. But Superman, I remember writing about this. And, and when, it, when Superman first came out, I didn't really watch it because I think we were, what were we, like 22, 20? I thought it was before that. Let's see. I you talk. It, it was either late college or right out of college. I just didn't have a lot of time to you know be watching. So it, I didn't really sit down and watch the entire series all the way through until I wrote that article. And I just l- literally sat down and watched it all over the course of a weekend. Oh, yeah. And, it was uh, 1996. 96 was Superman? No, 96 Batman? Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. Um, First episodes, September 6th, 1996. Interesting. I mean, the anime series started in 1992. Right. Anyway, uh, it says it's, I thought it was a really well-made show. The, there's some really adult, sneaky adult themes in that show that you don't mm-hmm. wouldn't expect as a whole capital punishment episode. They managed That's to somehow pull episode. off. I love that episode. Um, there's a Justice Society one. They couldn't be the Justice Society because of fucking Mike Carlin and... He thought it would denigrate the Justice Society. Turns out one of the most emotional issues episodes. Like it's a terrific show. And Tim ends, Daly, and it ends on a crazy, crazy down note. Yes, it, the, the last the episode weird, is like, a downer. It's, it's, and, and I had read there was an Elseworlds book uh, where they they posited what if a boom tube intercepted Clark's ship and he was raised on Apocalypse instead of mm-hmm. uh, in Kansas, and he basically becomes like Dark Side's liege and becomes his you know, war, war machine out in the world conquering out in the universe, conquering worlds. And like, that's kind of how the, t- the, the animated series ended. It ended on sort of almost a, a, and I think the comic came out before that episode did. So I remember being very blown away that like, Oh, they adapted this really dark <laughs> comic as the end of this so, series. I don't think you can argue. I mean, it's a great show. I think it won Batman's, a daytime Emmy in 1998 for yeah. outstanding special class animated program. Batman, I think, is a, is a seminal favorite. The, it's a, such a groundbreaker. I still think the, it's so gorgeous the way it looks, so the way they painted on black cells. And um, I, I don't even really want to choose. I, I don't. They're both terrific. Ain't, no, ain't nothing wrong with Batman in the animated series, right? It's really just, it's a it's a it's a taste thing. Yeah, yeah. with me. Yeah, Ryan, it, yeah. Ryan do uh, nine. Craig R. from Cincinnati, Ohio, a city I used to live in and will be in next weekend. In the years leading up to 2020, I had been working on collecting the original trade paperbacks of Vertigo's DMZ, which are no longer in print. This was a fun treasure hunt, finding them at various comic shops and conventions. During the lockdown part of the pandemic, though, I decided to cheer myself up and order the last two volumes online from bookshop.org. Get all your books from a place that's not a river in South America. Instead, go to bookshop.org. DMZ, not necessarily what I choose to cheer myself up, but go on. (laughs) I was excited when they arrived, and what do I see as soon as I open the package? A pull quote from my fanboy on the cover of Volume 12. How cool is that? It made me wonder. And I've been thinking about this question ever since the summer of 2020. What other pull quotes from my fanboy ended up in print over the years? And then there's, would you like me to read the, the pull quote? Yes, I think it's important. 
you want me to go into the big lecture boom voice? Yes, please. It's bold and complicated, <laughs> and it's the Amazing. perfect ending for a series like this. DMZ, you will be missed. That was awesome. I, I can't believe that is not a digital effect. <laughs> I know, it sounds it's like. so good. Um, that quote is not from us. That's why I wanted to do it. <laughs> uh, that's, so, you know, again, back when we were doing a fanboy full-time and had this, had a website with ton, you know people writing all day long, we had a whole section where users could write their own reviews called the user reviews. And uh, what, what, what would happen is that uh, PR people from Marvel, DC, and Image, et cetera, would go to look for quotes about so their books. And they would just Google the book name and review, and they would find a quote and take it, not realizing it wasn't an editorial quote. So I think uh, nine out of ten quotes on the back of books are not from me or Josh or Ron or Paul who wrote the reviews. It was from the user reviews because they just – lazily searched for reviews that's amazing i, I do know if i'm going to and that's go one of into, them if i'm going to go into stories about that i love that you remember that i mean thank god you remember anything yes i mean it's amazing. everything you remember is useful because i don't remember any of it i will say that we never like the main thing that we've done the thing we're most proud of is the podcast and stuff and there, no quotes ever come from yeah because you, they're lazy you have to you us, have to the ones where you see it they're submitted to, P, to pr people by the show saying here are quotes from the show mm-hmm. and that's how they use um them. When we did, because we did have a lot of written content, it was always Ron, because Ron writes like that, mm-hmm. and I don't. Like, mine would be these long <laughs> sentences about right. nuance and clauses. Like, I don't get it. I got one. I, I was on the, or at least the first one was on the, the proof, because I, I was really into that book, and so something went up about that. And the closest second I can think of is that I wrote a pick of the week review uh, about an issue of Fear Agent, and Rick just printed the entire thing in the back of the book. Yeah. <laughs> That's like my version of a pull quote. Behind me in the wall that the, the viewers at home can see is a cover for Criminal. I think it's number 10. That was the first time I ever saw my own quote. That's um, a, that's actual, say your name? That's from the actual – no. Uh, no, it's just like that. But it's from the actual written pick of the week review and not just a user. So they mm. they pulled that out. I remember finding it by accident, just finishing the book and closing it and being like, whoa, and then realizing that was mine. That's the first one I'm aware of, so I've, I've got it framed on the wall. Cool. The first and only one I'm aware of for, for me, I actually do have one, amazingly. Um, it was a website that I'd done previous to my time with iFanboy. I would, I would, it's a website that no longer exists. It was sort of a, an experiment of me and my college buddies trying to do our own version. It wasn't just comics, but it was you know trying to E-comic create our nerd. own thing, much, much like you, know, you guys did when you were in college. Um, and it was, I wrote a review of an issue of the Wasteland comic by Anthony Johnson and Christopher Mitten with covers by Ben Templesmith. And mm-hmm. uh, they Oni. pulled a quote for one of the issues. And um, I, I have that issue and I have it signed by all three creators and I've got it framed awesome. and it's something I'm very that's proud nice. of. That's really great. Uh, Josh, do the next tw- 10. Uh, Marcus V from London, England, United Kingdom. <laughs> that's, that's good just for clarity and that way we can get the post there. What's the book you reread the most? For example, every 12th December, every year, on the 12th December, every year, I always restart Watchmen again and reading an, an issue a night until Christmas Eve. That's adorable. I still find something new after many years of this ritual. Yeah, because that book is so dense. That's awesome. It's a little dark for Christmas Eve, like but it's book. awesome. Um, uh, Ryan, is there a book you off the top of your head that you've reread the most? Watchmen would be probably in the running. Um, mm-hmm. Superman Red Sun might also be in there, but that's only three issues, so that's an easy reread. And I'm currently reading the colorized issues of Walking Dead as they come out, so there's an argument to be made that mm. maybe Walking Dead is a book. Because I, I know I've reread 
the mm. black and white ones at least two or three times, and now I'm rereading the colorized ones. So it might be Walking Dead. My second time answering Walking Dead this, wow. this show. Are you watching Walking Dead Paris? <laughs> I'm not watching any of the Walking Dead stuff. <laughs> How far did you watch the show? Uh, past when Negan arrived, but not long after. That. I did they call him Negan in the show? I think, I think so. I think Negan. Yeah. I always thought it was Negan, which is better. Anyway, uh, it's probably they're saying in the, in the chat they're saying New Frontier. I'd say it's probably a, a, a toss up between New Frontier and Watchmen. Um, I've read Starman. I want to say three times. I've read Preacher two to four times. I'm not sure. That's I mean the Preacher one's impressive. That's nine volumes. Um, Mine is easy because you know when you're when I was a kid I had a big box of comics I just read them over and over and over and over again because I wasn't going to the store every week, uh, and so the one the, I read the, the Justice League. What was that? Justice League. No, the one I read the most is easy. It's the Dark Knight Returns. I probably read that 400, 500 times in my life. It's, I've read that a lot. I haven't I read, done I it, read it for a every, long time. Every week or so, or you know, as a kid, yeah, no. I just pull it out of my box and read it again. And so you know, I, I, I haven't did read more it forever. rereading for a bit. We don't get to reread it doing the show. We don't really get to reread much. I would. I mean, I want to say that uh, after Darwin died, I probably read New Frontier two or three times at least. Um, yeah, we we just don't have time to reread much now because we're constantly having to yeah, read new things for true. the show, which is too bad because I have a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> Edward A's question is: What is an antihero? In today's comics media landscape, I ask because nearly every single character gets described as one these days. Batman's one, Punisher's one, Daredevil's one, Moon Knight's one, Peacemaker's one, and so on. So what does it mean? I feel like that designation, if it had any true meaning, was for a character that undertook their actions without regard to whether they were classically good or bad, as long as the ultimate result was that someone was who was worse off than them was taken off the board. Now it just feels like if the term applied for a character self-consciously, as in, I don't want to sound like a dork talking about this character, so I'll throw out a term that makes it sound like more badass. It certainly feels that way when actors use that term to describe playing comic characters. So what does the term antihero mean to you, and what characters do you think accurately describe it? And I don't. So think I've just pulled up the case. definition, and I haven't read it, and I'm not going to say it until we're done. All right. But I would like to hear your interpretations of that. Well, I mean, Connor. his is correct. That's how it's used in media. Antihero is someone who will, you know, kill to save the day or you know, do dark things or things that are not morally gray, but just morally in the black too. That's kind of, you know, it's the, well, it's Wolverine. It's, you know, the, he was the sort of a prototypical uh, anti-hero because he would kill people with his claws. Um, I don't think Batman's ever been described as an anti-hero. No, not at all. Uh, so Bat- someone who does the right thing the wrong way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's basically what, it's, how it's used in comics and movies and TV. Now, the way that I think of it, although saying that, that sounds right to me. Like the Punisher. And the right or wrong way in the code of comics, right? If we went outside right, right now and beat up someone who, you know, it's, it, that's wrong. But Batman does it. It's different. Yeah. Conventional morality. See, I I tend to think of it as when the protagonist or the, quote, hero of the story isn't a good guy. So my example in my head is Tony Soprano. But now I don't think that's right. Uh, yeah, because he, he's not a hero. He's, he's, a, a, no, he's a bad guy. He's a protagonist. Protagonist can yeah. be bad. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I think that Connor, I think you've got it right. But Brian, also, I, mean, I, I, I just think he's, he's. I think he sounds like someone who saw an actor 
who doesn't know what he's talking about because he's just paid to read the script and I don't care whether he likes it or knows anything about the character. Said called Batman an anti-hero or something, and he, and it made him mad. I get it, but like, who cares what an actor says about it? Okay. Like, so well, I'm just act- it's it's the part I think the part of the question that I'm not totally sure how to frame an answer for is um, in today's comics media landscape because you know like they're Punishers from the 70s, Rorschachs from the 80s, Peacemakers from the 60s or 70s. Like I I, I don't know if there are new characters or characters who are being reframed or uh, re-examined in an anti-hero capacity relative to the ones that already exist in a more obvious way. So the Oxford Dictionary defines an anti-hero as a central character in a story, movie, or drama who lacks conventional heroic attributes. So that that's a more wide definition, which would include Tony Soprano and people like that. Wait, really? Wait, or, okay. or Vic Mackey. That, that would include those a, characters. A, a central character in a story, movie, or drama who lacks conventional heroic a- See, I think, I think the central character part is conflating hero with protagonist. And I Oxford think we all, know, we, all know from, we all know from Neil Stevenson's show, Snow Crash. Yeah. That when he raises your name his voice, is hero he sounds like he's coming from the afterlife. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's coming to us from the great beyond. Hear me now. It, it puts more weight to his words, honestly. So I'm like, what? Grandpa? I feel like I'm sinning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Grandpa, read, your gun. read 12. Am I Grandpa? You're, you're coming from the afterlife. Give me wisdom. Marco S. asks, my question is based off of all the food talk about the illustration of pizza eating in Nightwing, which comic book artist best draws the art of eating? I have no idea. <laughs> I do not have an answer for that. I know that we had various examples of names that I can't remember. There's a good run of people who couldn't draw food. Yeah, um, it's much more about who can't do it. Um, well, it's 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 like so many things with comics. You, when it works well, you don't notice it because it's just part of the story. When it right. fails to work well, then well, you notice it. I just think that's something I haven't noted. Like who draws the best clothing? Uh, uh, Gary Frank, who uh, you know, who draws the best splash page? It's you know, Walt Simons or whatever it is. You know, like who does the most dynamic panels? N- Neil Adams. Just Ooh, somebody in the in the comments mentioned Chu, Rob Guillory, and Chu is not a bad. He did a good job. I never read Chu and was like, "That's not what that food looks like." <sighs> I feel like the person who's going to draw food the best is going to be like a, a like a Mad Magazine type person. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like I bet I bet the food in Gru is fantastic. Yeah. Um, he's got Would a second question. The- yeah, what comic series do you wish had a run of nine hundred? My vote is old school Vertigo Hellblazer. Is that not also Josh's vote? <laughs> I don't think that's my vote. Um, oh, really? Nine hundred's too many for most things. Um, I. I I like John around, but it ended really well at 300. Now he kind of pops back in and not, you know, like I, I don't think I'd, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So Brian in the chat mentioned Stan Sakai in, in, in terms of drawing people eating well. And Yusagi Ujumbo does have a lot think- of really good food. I was thinking of that. Yeah. I, I literally was, when I said Sergio Aragonis, I, or grew, but I, I thought, I thought of that. Um, Anyway, 900 issues. Uh, I mean, I'll, I think, you know, I'll just, I'll keep it consistent. I'll say, I'll also say Usagi Ujimbo. That, sh- that book can go on forever as far as I care. How many is the app? I think it would. Like 300? Almost 300? I don't know. They're not. It's, there's a legacy numbering on the front, I think, but I, I don't remember it. Um, about like a Hellboy, Josh? 
40 years. No. Uh, I mean, I feel like, I feel like, and it, 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 I wasn't, I feel like it would have been really cool if Robert Kirkman did The Walking Dead forever. Right. Yeah. I, I, everyone thought, kind of I, thought he would. I know. And I, I think that was a book that deserved to just go on forever. I think like how great would it be if like, this is a book he started when he was 27 and he did it until he was 70, right. which is what I think, you know, Eric Larson, I don't know when the last Savage Dragon they came up, but that was sort of the deal with that. Right. That book could have kept going on forever. I, I think and it honestly, really I cool. mean, the last, the last issue of walking dead while it wraps up, it, it, you know, the, the, what became apparent, I think the one with the aliens, 75, yeah. yeah, 75. Uh, the, the last issue of Walking Dead that was published, it doesn't end the story. It just tells the last chapter in the story of Rick Grimes, the character. So mm-hmm. I think if Kirkman had decided to commit to, now I'm going to tell Carl's story for the rest of his life, like the book could have kept going easily. I understand there, why as a storyteller he wouldn't want to do that. But I think are there, there more episodes of the TV show than there were issues. Like if you pick all the spinoffs and everything, I don't know because there's also spinoffs of the comics. Like there's a, a YA uh, series for the character Clementine mm-hmm. who comes out of the telltale video game series that I've not read any of those, but they're, they're supposedly Com- pretty good. Completely without backup to it. That doesn't count. Yeah. I, I can't that. defend that. I can't defend that. I don't know the logic. I'm just telling you reality. Says. I'm just explaining what, says, right, no. what reality is. Let's move on to Aldwin D. Aldwin says, back in 2013, Grant Morrison claimed that the Alan Moore crafted an ambiguous ending to the Killing Joke story to suggest that Batman killed the Joker, which is explained by Morrison when you notice that there is no more laughing in the panels towards the end of the story. What is your opinion on this argument from Morrison, given that comic book storytelling requires not just taking into account the words written on the page, but also the visual storytelling? I know that both Josh and Connor previously discussed the ambiguous ending of Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow by Tom King that might be similar to this situation. It's so bad because I'm like I don't remember the end of that book. Once um, I read, once I read that argument from Grant Morrison originally, apparently I don't think it's ambiguous at all. No, I think, I think it's pretty Morrison, clear he kills him. Yeah, I think Grant Morrison accurately understood what happened in the, at the end of that book, and I think his interpretation is correct. And so, to me, you know that that is the ending of that book, which is also one of the reasons that it should be a non-canonical Batman right. work. I, I, I think knowing what I know about Alan Moore is he doesn't do shit ambiguously. It's not just the the, the laughing ending. It's the the light goes away and that ties back to the joke in the middle about death. Like I didn't, when I was a kid, I didn't understand it when I read it, but as an, when first time I read it as an adult, I was like, Oh, he's dead. Cause I got, I I got more. Yeah. Every panel, every panel description is like every single thing on that page is intentional. Yeah. Um, let's skip. I gotta start skipping because we've already run over an hour. Um, let's do 15. Uh, Josh. Chris T says, I've been thinking about this since the last edition of the iFanboy Snack Corner. Any good snacks lately? Snacks. Yeah, some crunchy, crunchy hippie shit, right? I bought a Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie to have on the show, and I, it, oh. it's, I lost it somewhere in my car. I still <laughs> I don't know where it is. You didn't make it. <laughs> didn't I make bought it. it, and just on the way over, forget it. <laughs> didn't get a chance to eat it. Didn't get a chance to talk about it. I think it's still in my car somewhere. Uh, my car's not that dirty, so I legitimately don't know where, where it is. Well, we learned, we learned the hard way. You don't ever eat on the microphone. You wouldn't have been able to do it. We, we did this that cookie episode of the video show, and people hated that one. 
I'm going to guess Connor doesn't have a good Do you have a good one? Uh, snacks? I don't think you do. I just I, I don't tend to, to snack. snack much. Exactly. I yeah, I try to keep snacks out of the house. I'm unable to stop being like a 12-year-old. So I would I would say the snack that I make occasionally in my home that is very, very popular is masubi, the spam sushi from Hawaii. That doesn't um, sound like a snack to me. It, but if the way you eat like it, a snack, you shouldn't, no. you shouldn't have to uh, can put it together. It should just be something you, you no, put no. When you say snack, I just think of sugar. That's all that means. Like I, like you said that, and I was like, I don't want that. Like at night when I'm like, man, I should not be eating I mean, anything. You cook, you cook the Spam and you I'd hit like, it with like a soy like sauce, cake. brown sugar glaze. So it's a little, nope. a little sweetness. Mm, that's just meat. Brian, 17. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, it's all right. The, the, we have a lot of apple orchards in the area in this apple cider donut season. And the main one in town, uh, which had been owned by the same family since the 1700s, not kidding, uh, was recently bought because they were like, we don't want to do this anymore. So they, they, they sold it and they added a bunch of stuff. And one of them is they do fresh apple cider donuts uh, and they're fucking amazing. Hmm. That's it. All right. That's a snack. Ryan, do for 17. Wes A. asks, during episode 850, Josh remarked that since Vertigo folded, other publishers are putting out the types of books Vertigo would have. I'm curious, what recent books do you think would have fit in at Vertigo back during the salad days? How did people remember what I said a year ago? Maybe he just re-listened. Or he's been waiting. He's been waiting to get you. I've had I'd have a really hard time thinking of of series because I think the main difference is that you said it right there is the type of books that Vertigo would have done and the type isn't exactly the same thing as the quality and the thing that separated Vertigo from anything that exists now is that there was a genuine editorial taste that was funneled through Karen Berger and her small team of sort of hand picked editors. And that doesn't exist anymore, except to the extent where Eric Stevenson is ultimately the one who decides what goes into image or not. But that does, they don't feel like they have a singular. Anything no, he's, he's, not, well, he's he, not editing the book. He's deciding, yeah, we'll publish right. it. He's not putting editorial into it. I think, I think we've a couple of books we've mentioned in the show already. Like I think Chew, right. except it's a, Chew's a little zany for Vertigo, but like it, I think in terms of the length of the run and sort of the, the ethos of it, um, something like, some of the Rick Remender books, like Sacrificers, I think Sacrificers could be a Vertigo book. A, lo- a lot of Rick, a lot of Rick Remender's books, I think, could have been Vertigo books. Seven to Eternity could have been a Vertigo book. Da- Damn them all! Somebody mentioned Damn them well, all. That's in the just chat. Hellblazer. It's literally Hellblazer. It was a Vertigo. Book. Most of Scott Snyder's, yeah, non superhero books would have been like there. Witches. I mean, Witches, all, all definitely all of his image stuff book. would have been a Vertigo. Yeah. That Texas Blood is a really good example of a book that That's a good would have one. sort of been there. Um, I am sorry, and I apologize. I have to go back a little bit. Uh-oh. I had a pretty severe addiction to Jason Tatum, Flamin' Hot Barbecue Ruffles. Okay. It was a real big thing. All and right. I, I love them, and you couldn't find them very often. Now I believe they're gone. That's probably better That's- for you. Uh, yes, it is. Ryan, okay. Maybe some Mark Russell. Are there Mark Russell books that we think could have been good Vertigo books? Yeah, like- all of them. Okay. Second, yeah. second coming was supposed to be a vertigo book. Uh, Sweet Sweetwater, they mentioned Chip Zarsky Sweetwater. I think that would have been a, definitely a vertigo yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Uh, 18, Ryan. Stephen H. from Wrexham, Wales, United Ooh, Kingdom. Fancy. Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhaney's fiefdom of, of football. 
I've been thinking about this question for 900 episodes. It's a lie. I came in around 200, but you have to do a little shine sometimes. I can't say that with a Welsh accent. I can do my I best. I, could do, I wish I could do a Welsh accent. It's just Anthony Hopkins. It's like, right? It's just some fava beans. No, it's Matthew Reese. That's who it is. Go. Or, no, Matthew Reese learned from Connor so annoyed Michael with Sheen. Josh. I'm just trying to get through these emails. I'm just trying to get through them. What advice remember would you the, give remember to the those? irritability Let's we talked about at the beginning? Knife in my head right this now. This is supposed to be this kind of show, Connor. You're like, let's keep it moving. Josh, let's straighten up and fly right here. Let's really just okay. focus in let's do, and answer. Let's do 10 solid minutes of straight up content. We'll Walter Cronkite this bitch. All right. <clears throat> what advice would you give to those fresh faced youngsters starting out on this new podcast thing y'all did those years ago? Did he say y'all? He did not say y'all. He's from Wales. Of course not. I'm just giving it my <laughs> okay, Apple Apple shine. Clear. Advice. What advice would you have given us, Josh, back then in 2005? What would we give ourselves? Um, I mean, other than change, like... Uh, change the name. Stock <clears throat> tips. Um, I, I fan men. <laughs> I, I, well, I was too late. We were already five years in by then. I don't... I don't have it. Because I do not believe that we necessarily missed any opportunities that actually would have led to anything. And so if I'm looking at it from the perspective of the journey of the way that the value to me right now is, by the way, it's the relationship with my friends. It is the uh, feedback and, and um, you know, the, the sort of uh, appreciation of, of people who listen. Yep. Um, and it's my appreciation of the medium and how I have come to understand it. Um, and all those things happened necessarily on their way. And I, I wouldn't change any of those things. Right. I would tell myself to listen to the edits before I put them out a couple times in the past. <laughs> Sorry, I have the wrong thing up. Um, I would, uh, I would tell myself, don't approach podcasters. You don't already know at comic conventions. Just save yourself. the <laughs> Save yourself years of heartache. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right because we're so new. You know, the mistakes were everyone was making those mistakes. It wouldn't have made anything different if we had made fewer mistakes in the beginning. You know, I think we made I think we made less mistakes. Right, than that's what I'm saying. There weren't no mistakes to make because it was a whole new thing. You were just learning as you went. I know, but I, I often I'm, joke. I often joke that you know, in the early days of podcasting, um, literally all you needed was three white guys and a topic they wanted to talk about, and so you guys had that. And, and beer. then you, and but you guys actually grew in in your ability to produce that type of show and make it not just that. And a lot of the podcasts that were that have since faded away. And now it's, you know, very corporate landscape relative to what it was. Well, when different, you, yeah. You, yeah. And I, so, even that's dying because they, they found there's no money in it. I believe that the one thing that set us apart is that um, I believe we are relatively media savvy. I believe that we are fairly intelligent and thoughtful about these things. But also I think that we each had a version of the aesthetic of what this needed to be. And it has been very consistent over mm -hmm. the years and we became aware of it, but we all were doing something sort of unconsciously that worked mainly for us. Yeah. And, and, and we've always been very specific about like, you know, we don't invite people on the show to sit in because that would change the show. We are very, committed to the idea of what the show is in our heads. And that's, that's the thing. Yep. All right. Now the moment we've all been waiting for every year. 
This is from this is a note from Chris from the iFanboy Data Analytics Department. Chris <laughs> says, Dear Connor, Josh, and Ryan. I'm gonna take this down just so I don't cover anything. Dear Connor, Josh, and Ryan, it's the pride of the iFanboy Data Analytics Department to once again present this year's Patron Powers Report, ready for episode 900. Congratulations on another year of great shows. Carol has cake and slightly warm sparkling wine set up in the HR office for you when you finish recording. I'd like to point this out again, and I, I want to make sure that I remember this correctly. Chris is a medical doctor. Yes, he is. He's a medical doctor. And he also works in our, on the seventh floor in the analytics department. I just... Do you never go down there? They, they always have great cake. I, Friday, I Friday, Friday have, afternoon's cake. I'm always down I there. mean, I am edging towards 50. And every time that I understand that, like, a real functioning adult <laughs> is spending time, I'm not, it's, this is not even a joke. It's not a bit. But if somebody's like, yes, I'm a lawyer, like, the guy who helped me get a job is a senior vice president at an energy company. And I'm like, why are you? <laughs> Which, I mean, like, it's good. It makes me feel really good, but I, it, it baffles me. Let's check in on the report. Uh, I got an early glimpse at it. It's a little different this year. Um, uh, it's not. There we go. Patreon <laughs> reports. These figures relate to iFanboy shows released 9 October 2022 <laughs> to 8 October 2023. Yeah, pretty put into it. This is year seven of the Patron Powers program. <laughs> this year, the program remained uh, at one power bestowed per show, which was implemented from episode 841 of 8 July 2022. The exception was episode 850, where the three powers were bestowed per host. Um, total number of powers bestowed this year, 52. This compares to 103 in 2002, 21, 2022. Josh had 18 compared to 45. Connor had 18 compared to 43. Ryan had 13 compared to 13 the previous year. Jim Viscardi did one compared to two. And Paul Montgomery and Jim Marchkowski both had one compared to zero the previous year. Uh, total all-time powers bestowed, episodes 550 to 899, is 1,074 powers is given out, gentlemen. 1,074. Josh has given away 453 powers. I have given away 446. Josh and I together both created one. I don't remember that one. Ron mm. did 81. Ryan did 67. Jim Viscardi did 13. Paul Montgomery did 8. Jim Richkowski did 3. And the eccentric benefactor Damian Sherman gave away two powers uh, way back then. Uh, what does it say here? In previous years, you were unable to recall the Josh Connor Co. Power, uh, power. This is episode 704. Bestowing a power on Matthew Glenn, Connor forgot the power he had been planning to give out when Josh stepped in with the suggestion that Matthew's power is that he can remind people of the things that they were going to say, but then forgot. For this reason, the power is granted as a co-creation. Interesting. Man, I could use that guy. Superhero names. There was a slight drop in bestowing superhero names at the same time as a power with seven patrons receiving names this year, uh, which is 13% of powers, which is compares to 20 names or 19% of powers also came with names last year. In the last year, Ryan was the most generous with attributing four names. Connor, two, and Josh only gave away one name. Names bestowed in 2022 to 2023 from Ryan. Antrea, the auctioneer, the logger, and the deputizer. Ryan likes the thes. Josh gave away the string master. I like that one. And I gave away flashbang and second screen. Uh, power types. With fewer powers bestowed, it's harder to spot trends, but the following power types all had two examples in the past year. Camouflage power, episode 869. Andy Savage can emit dry ice smoke from any orifice. That's from me. And Mark uh, 899, Mark Miller, he can fade into the shadows in a mysterious, dramatic fashion. That's also from me. Uh, physical powers. 
Episode 852, Gilbert can manifest $1,000 within any unopened 28-ounce can of San Marzano tomatoes. That was Ryan. And 868, <laughs> Timothy McCarthy can always get minimum of 15% off. You think he buys it, Josh? I'm so glad I'm far enough past COVID that laughing like that doesn't hurt. Food-based powers, 874, Pat George can change any candy or snack to any other variety of that same candy or snack. That's from Josh. Josh is all about snacks, people. And 877, Dart. Get up and shake my belly if you Daniel want. Daniel Clark, everything in a 20 to 30 foot radius stays fresh. That's from me. Hair follicle control powers, 885. James has sentient sideburns, Medusa like hair on his sideburns that can reach out to grab things, slap people, etc. That's from me. And then 898, John Allen can make hair grow at an abnormal, abnormal rate through the medium of touch alone. Precognition powers, 859. She's an Al Kathiri can uh, sense when someone is about to say a bad, tasteless, or offensive joke and stop them right before they say it. Just from Josh. Me. And Moni Singh in 860 Gate can predict the future of any animal that she encounters. Finally, stationary-based powers. Uh, 886, Daniel Jocelyn harnesses the power of all types of twisted or braided materials. He has manifest string. I'm sorry, he's mastery of all string, but cannot manifest string. However, string theory escapes him. That's from Josh. And eight eight eighty seven Daniel Dunabar never need to find an ink pad for rubber stamps. That's automatically and perfectly inks as soon as he touches it. That's from Jim Biscardi. And Jim had just gotten a custom stamp, right? That's, that's important to know. Actually, there's one more category. In the next page: transformation powers. Eight fifty six Christopher Reese can morph into a robber baron from that gilded age. Practically, <laughs> practical usage of this power is not specified, and eight, he can probably get a really good loan at the bank. And then Bully! 893, Wayne McNichol can turn any object into a nerf projectile. That's for me. And only one category of three powers bestowed. Objects of power. 850, Alex Waller has a magical throwing net that can capture anything from Ryan. 857, Robert wishes to be the best and uses special balls to capture strange animals for fighting. <laughs> I don't even follow that, Ryan. Pokemon. Oh. Pokemon. That's why. And then 861, Patrick has a magical satchel containing many hats which imbue him with the skills of the professional who would wear such a hat. That's from me. That's, a, that's such a good one. That's the most Connor power ever. <laughs> because in his mind, all profe- all hats indicate a profession, and every profession Everyone has a hat. should wear hats. I like hats. Hats should come back. I, 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 I just, can you just take a moment and picture in your head the moment where Chris is like, I don't know what you said. I got to go do this this report, and his wife's like, "No, you don't." And he goes, "Listen, she's like every year. <laughs> on my it's ass. two weeks of this, <laughs> and and what he put together was not only better looking, more well researched, and 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 more thought than anything I've ever done in my professional life. Sure, it makes me feel terrible. So thank you to Chris for putting that together, and now let's thank the patrons, just like he talked about. Every week we thank a patron who is supported at the $5 or higher level. So anybody who gives at the $5 or higher level, they get a patron power. That happens at patreon.com slash ifanboy. And this time, uh, Ryan is is uh, bestowing the patron power. Yeah, and this power is going to James E. McGill. And I think based on where I'm recording from, I would be remiss if I didn't give James E. McGill the voice of God. <laughs> so James can invoke the right. anytime he wants to, to to speak in the voice of God. But it does it control people's minds like preacher? Or? No, it just it just is a really booming, intense voice. So he can really just make a uh, make a point. Or or if he's got to like get you know the I, I think all of us have been to that 
meeting or conference where somebody ought to pick up a mic and sure. and they say, but you guys can all hear me, right? And it's like, no, most of them can't. You should always pick up a mic. It's a it's a it's a equity, right? I, Some people- I have a I have a much clearer version of people who have mics and don't know how to use them at all. That to me, true. That's also true. Out. But that's not a problem for James E. McGill because James E. McGill has the voice of God. What I you just have it. You just tell him to go in that room. You're, he's welcome here anytime. James. He can do, you know it, he can do you know it anywhere. What? So that's the difference. Do you know what I wish? I wish that the audiovisual department in charge of the San Diego Comic Con could figure out that the way that they do mics doesn't fucking work. And that any time <laughs> anybody scratches a fingernail on a table, it booms through the sound system like thunder. Yeah. You think there are solutions for this? Good hire professional. All right. Um, so thanks to James for being a patron at five dollars or higher. You can do do so also at patreon.com slash iFanboy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, let's thank everyone for helping the show out. You know, this is the middle of the show, sort of. And we'd like to remind everyone that there are ways to support the show if you enjoy it. If any of this nonsense, and I forgot to mention at the top of the show, this is not a normal show, but we're way too far gone now. So if you want to directly support the show, the best way to do that is become a patron at patreon.com slash ifanboy. They get to be part of a great community on Discord and Facebook. There's a monthly patron hangout. We have tier-exclusive merch that only the patrons can get. Depending on your level of support, after three months, you get that merch. And we thank everyone. Those are the people who help support the show directly, help us pay the bills, help us uh, make time rewarded that we take to do this show. And we do appreciate that very much. Fanboy.threadless.com is where you can buy our t-shirts. There's 13 designs there. Fanboy.com slash support. Listen up. A listener in uh, Los Angeles who I'm speaking directly to who uh, bought a lot of tickets yesterday. If you want to support us directly, if you want to drop us a tip in the tip jar from your $774 million after lump sum in taxes, then why don't you uh, use ifanboy.com slash support. That's our PayPal tip jar, and we we thank you for using that. ifanboy.com slash Amazon is where you can shop and also shop our Booksplood books. We thank everyone who does that, as well as shop via our links to bookshop.org, which helps support local bookstores, and we do appreciate it. This one is, I think, strange enough, but you're both dog guys. He means that we like dogs. We are not part <laughs> I would dog. Say, I would say the dog days are over. But. Although you look a little... Doggish. You look like you had been a werewolf, feral, and you're not anymore. But it like left you marked. I didn't, you're I like didn't quite. Looping. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Go ahead. Ethan J asks, "How would the world be different if all humans had a dog tail that instantly revealed how they felt about everything and everyone? How would dating change? How would business change? How would sales and marketing even be able to function? Would social media platforms have reactions labeled wag and tuck? Do we still have the power to communicate otherwise? Yeah, I think you just have a tail. I think you also just have a tail." I can't. I don't see how it can help but make things better. Really, I believe there'd be a level of honesty. Yeah, I was going to say the question is really if there were external indicators of honesty or or, or actual feelings, would we be able to communicate better? I mean, but re- really, uh, as a uh, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, we are dog people. Dogs wagging their tail doesn't mean they're happy. That just is a state of arousal or excitement. Oh, like, hello. A dog can be wagging their tail and be about to bite you. <laughs> so. All right. Let's play the game as if a dog wagging its tail is happy. Instead of coming in here 
and and with doing your knowledge uh, and logic and reason. Yeah, sure. The, the reason that everyone that hates the reason that everybody hates well, what's his name? Your favorite, uh, everyone's favorite scientist. Uh, um, Oppenheimer. No. No, yeah. <laughs> Fauci. Fauci. Listen, Josh, I know you don't want the jab, but I, I, I beg you, please, just take the shot. <laughs> What's his name? I can't. Why well, can't Fauci? I Fauci. Yeah, we know Whoa, you hate Fauci. We know the you. Science guy away. from the New York. It's a black guy. I know, I, 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 know, I know who it is. I'm not telling you because you You're don't. Just deserve not going to say the, the name. You Neil deGrasse Tyson. You. You don't deserve the answer because he tried uh, to ruin Star Wars. He's been on my show three times. Okay, how um, would life change with dog tails? I already said my answer. Uh, the show DuckTales would be far would less there be for, Would By there the be way, more deaths? Would there be more people's t- tails caught in subway doors? And well, we would have designed them differently. Would we? Okay. Life would, would we be have? less ambiguous. Mm. And there would be less uh, misunderstanding but, what people meant, where they're coming from. Ryan just said that the, the ta- tail act doesn't necessarily indicate And I, I'm eschewing that. <laughs> He's right. I refuse but to for believe example, it. for example, my girl Addie... Her tail indicates she's happy. Uh-huh. Like that's that's how it goes. And I have never had a dog that expressed its like I, Georgie. I had Georgie didn't had a little nub of a tail, so it didn't really work. Gordo's fucked up, so he's not he's not situ he's not social. But Addie, you know, I can look at her and I just see like that's her little. It's her happy sign, and and it makes me extremely happy to see that. Okay, she's happy about this. She's nervous about this. She's whatever. And I think we all spend so much time trying to read other people and not being good at it. Mm-hmm. I have to believe much as there are people that we encounter, this is my, I may, I'll, I'll give a somewhat sincere answer. Um, you know, we, we meet people in life who don't have a good poker face. And so you can tell what they're feeling based on their facial expression, whether they want you to see that or not. And then you meet people that are just fucking liars and they're able to this lie. Is I think even with a dog tail that had some level of subconscious control, I think there would still be people who'd figure out how to lie with their tail. I don't know that the world would be that different. My hope would be, my hope would be that if we had more external emotional indicators that we wouldn't need social media. And so social media wouldn't even have been invented in the first place. Okay. So let's, let's, let's think about how many people's faces would get whacked on the subways. They're trying to read their paper and there's just only short people whacking them in the face. People sitting. Yeah, it's people sitting. That's what I mean. <laughs> we saw how it works in Spaceballs. It's okay. <laughs> it didn't seem like Can it. Can a dog lie? Can a dog lie? Yeah, a dog can't lie with his tail, right? So if we're imbuing people with a dog tail, it would have the properties of that tail. The the, the, the tail in this version of my um, thing is is it, it is uh it is solid. It is it is unmistakable. You cannot change it. It is your heart on your sleeve. It is worn. And further, as you said before, uh, uh, it can mean many things. But if you are a dog, you understand what those things are. And so, therefore, people would have that also. Well, I mean, look, I mean, you know, Josh, you have tattoos. I think there would be news stories like kids today. They're cropping their tails so that people can't read their emotions. Do you know where your child's tail is? More at 11. That's true. And that would happen. Yep. No, I mean, listen. So that people could lie. Humans would humid it up, and it would suck. We would make it. We would make. We would make the joy of a dog wagging their tail an awful, terrible thing. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting thing. Is that we're taking it away from it? Yeah. I think the dogs would start attacking all the shithead humans, though. Sam P from London, England. When talking about ever ending the pick of the week show, you've said in the past that you quote don't know how to stop. 
Josh, I said Sticking that this week. With it. I'm coming to the end of my own podcast and eight, eight years discussing the music of Tom Waits, one track at a time. Just for context, not looking for a plug. And we're about to I would have plugged you if you'd said the name. I totally would have too. I kind of yep. want to. I would yep. love to. Sam, yep. if you're in the if you're in the chat or whatever and you tell us we will plug you. We're about to run out of songs to talk about. Considering that Ron and Paul have stopped iFanboy, as well as Ron ending rebooting All About Android. And there was a window during the pandemic choice. when new releases stopped, but the show continued. I have a question. If circumstances dictated this pick of the week show had to end, hypothetically, no more monthly comics, etc. What would your response be? Producing a weekly show is a huge part of my life. Would a reboot, rework of the show be high on your list of priorities? Would you feel relief or boredom or something else? I've been thinking about this question for at least a year, two or three or four. Connor, go ahead. I mean, it's weird. It's, it's like if, if, if the show ended for external reasons, I think that'd be freaky. You know, like if yeah. tomorrow they said comics are not printing anymore. That's a different feeling than we than Josh realizing that we may be at the end of how long we want to do the show. That's a different, you know, one is like, you know, you prepare for a death and the other one is a death happens suddenly. There are two different reactions, even if you're getting to the same place at the end. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We've, we've done other podcasts. We ended Goodfellas a minute. It's not like we've never ended a podcast before. Yeah, but that's, that's – okay, so I would say a couple things. One, doing this show is – been ingrained for most of our adult lives. Our entire adult lives, almost, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you're, right. you're, you're 20, we're late 20s. I forgot. I get think about iFanboy. Yep. Um, and so it's not a, it's not a, it's, there's, there's nothing about it that's a hassle any more than taking out the trashes or, or any other thing that you do normally. It's, it's just ingrained into it. My, you know, my spouse understands this is the thing I do. You know, it's it's not like oh, you always got to do that show. Like it is a part of my life. It has been for what are we like eighteen years. And if it were to end, and I think it would be externally. I, I like I and, and I mean, or something would have to happen. There would have to be some sort of seismic change. Yeah, yeah. I think in, in, in our personal lives, like if, I, I think. Yes. If something really bad happened to one of us or our families, I think there's a good chance we'd be like, I just can't do this anymore right now. That's horrible, but that's probably the way you'd have to go to yeah. get to a point that would cause it to be like, right. I don't have the joy in me to do this anymore. I think that if for some reason <laughs> one of us, we decided to stop or comics went away or something like that, I think our first instinct would be a bit of sadness to go, all right, well, I can get this part of my life back or whatever. Right. And I think that we would last two, three months maximum. <laughs> before we figured out something that we could do because it's not just about doing the show. Yeah. It's about like, I don't want to have, I don't want to have to search for a reason to talk to, talk to my friends. Right. I, th- I think, sorry, Ryan, I like one second. I think we probably, t- we would at least talk about something to do, you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, you want to talk about, want to do a show about this, you know? So. Hello. Can you guys hear me all right? Yes, we hear you just fine. We hear you just fine. Yeah. Aren't you a podcaster? Why are you on a laptop, Mike? Because I'm in a very tiny hotel room in Manhattan. Fair. Because because I am too old to take the train home from the New York Comic Con. uh, And I have a 9 a.m. meeting, so I figured I would uh, stay in the city. Oh, Ron Richards has joined the show briefly, if who knows how long. Uh, Original co-host, original co-founder of the show is here. Hasn't been on one of these in a while. Couldn't miss it. How Didn't long was you in that doorbell thing? 
How did you do the doorbell thing? I just uploaded a doorbell sound to the. Oh, look at you. That's great. What'd I miss? Uh, You know. 20 ish questions of Connor rushing us along. We spent a good 10 minutes on talking about listening to podcasts at 1.2 speed. Oh, if you want to go ahead and talk about it for a little while, no. Connor would love that. I Connor has himself a good sinus infection. He is a little irritable, so yeah. keep that in mind when you talk. Yeah. So I've got a couple of questions. First off, um, uh, what day is it? Thanks to the calendar behind Ryan. I'm checking. <laughs> I believe it's October 12th. Okay, that's good. Um, is that a nature calendar? Yeah, it's got a, yeah. it's got a bat on it. There you it's go. October. Oh, it's October. It's spooky. Um, <laughs> big, big brown bat. <laughs> cool. And uh, no, my sideburns are not gone, Gabe. They're just, they got my hair cut. They're trimmed. Um, did you guys talk about the elephant in the room? Well, there's so many of them. The fit, whatever's on Josh's head. Uh, that was added because we had a complete moment. discussion about hats. Did you do a hat bit? Oh, I see. Okay, good. See, I'm, just, I'm, just catching up. I'm just catching up. It's Is fun. that a hat you wear outside the house? Like, seriously? I have it before, yeah. yeah. Are you a hat guy now? No, I mean, sometimes, though. Sometimes you need a hat. Someone in the, in the chat room said that he had a, imbued himself with the power of ska when he did that. I was pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Do you wear that hat when you play guitar? No, I get sweaty okay, when I play guitar. Good, what you, good, good. What are you doing? I was looking for a prop, but I couldn't. No, it's no reason. I just, yeah, I just wanted to wear a hat. I don't know what the problem is here. Yeah, I think this is the only ska record I own. Quite honestly, that's not a ska record. All right, what is it? What's, let's, what, what's the specific? Let's move there, there on. Are no, there are no there are no horns in Op Ivy. To me, no. See, it has Scott to be horns. It has, has, has to be horns. It has to be horns. The guitar and the the guitar is picked on the upstroke. No, right. That, that that is a so if if you had to in define if you had to define Op Ivy, if anything, it's Scott Core. Okay. Right, which is isn't even really close, but it's got to have it's got to have horns to be Scott. I've been putting up with this. And the I don't like Scott. We are on a different show. So according to according to the Google AI search results I got, Ska is characterized by a fast tempo, a shuffling scratch-like tempo, jazz-like horn riffs on the offbeat, and a walking bass line accented with rhythm on the offbeat. There you go. The rhythm on the offbeat is the is the guitar on the upstroke. Oh my god. Yeah. So it's the ands. One, and yeah. two, and three, and four. And. Uh, this is Connor's favorite part of the show. Ryan, do question 23. Am I still? I'm still here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but someone said, "What does core mean? Core is to music what gate is to scandals." Oh, I, thought core, I thought core was how we pronounced uh, Green Lantern well, Core. Know, Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. Corpse. Brad G from Exeter, California. I've been thinking about this for a couple of days now since Josh Josh contemplated buying his favorite comic book page ever from Preacher. What is your favorite comic book related collectible, and what is one you would love to have? Well, Josh would love to have that page. Sure. You have the issue. I bought the issue off eBay at some point. I was like, why don't I own this? Um, there's two statues that I want. Um, the one is the original Dark Knight Returns one um, with, with, uh, with Batman tiny, and Carrie. Robin. Yeah. On his, like, yeah, on the shoulder. Um, the other one, and I've looked into this, it's, it's like 400 bucks and I can't really, but it's the... Um, cover of uh, I actually have it on my phone um the Avengers cover with this one there's a statue oh the Hawkeye of, uh, Hawkeye with there's a there's a statue that was in Hanley's for years uh and you can still you can find it on eBay um there's a statue of that and I, I love it does that count it's as a not, collectible it's not in Hanley's anymore I'll tell you that much yeah 
Oh, Ron, you have you have collectibles at home. What's your favorite one? Um, comic collectibles. Yeah. What about in your office? I don't have a lot of collectibles in my office. I've got art up on the walls. Is art? Are we considering original art a collectible? Yeah, he mentioned Josh is wanting to buy the page of preacher, so I think art counts. Yeah. Yeah, but that like that's that becomes like endless. So I, I went with the other, you know, like, it's like there's thousands of pages like one of them. Yeah, I mean, I, if if I'm gonna say my 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 prized possession original art side would be probably the quietly X Men page. Oh yeah, the one you have the uh, the yeah. Emma so Frost the, one. the the yeah Emma Emma Frost uh, Jean walking in on Scott and Emma. Hmm. Uh, I own that page. I remember convincing you to buy that. Not having to do it hard, but we were like, yeah, you should definitely buy it. No, no, it was Ash who did it. A- yeah. Ash, Ash, Ash drove it home because I remember because I was standing at the door in Isotope and he just looked at me. He's like, do you want someone else to leave here with that page? And I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, do you have one? Um, I'm not a huge collectible guy. I do have some original art that I cherish and, and I'm glad that I have. I feel like, for me, the, the, I get a small thrill anytime I, I, this is so dumb, but anytime I see like somebody who has a real version of a, the Batmobile, like anybody who's got the 1960s or the Tumblr or the whatever, like I just, I, I like love that seeing, answer a lot. I love seeing a real Batmobile out in the world, out in the wild. And I would, if, if I could have a Batmobile in my garage, I would be really happy. Which one did you have? Uh, my first quick. choice would be the 1960s Adam West one. My second choice would probably 100%. be the Tumblr. I used to drive past that. Like it was a uh, Barrett, Dick Barrett, George Barrett, George Barrett. I think he had like a little in Burbank. He had like a little like showroom where he had his stuff and you could see that like the um, monsters, like it was across in the, the Baja fresh. I went and had lunch at, I would say, by the way, if I had to pick the one of the, one of those things, I would want a Kirby page. That's, that's mm. what I would want. It, there's lots of options, but. Hey Josh, I could make that happen this weekend if you want. I'm pretty sure that I can't cover that spread. <laughs> I, I can I can call you from the con floor. I'm pretty sure there's some dealers with some Kirby pages at the con. Right I, now, so. Do they does Marvel still do that thing where they just give out Kirby pages to <laughs> like random business partners and shit? Because it's really like it's, on they, that list. They've been cut up into coasters, hmm. like or, or just around the office. Yeah, so that's <laughs> like I, that was a thing, right? Like like interns would get them as Christmas gifts. Well, and they would throw them out too. That was another thing. I've I've heard stories of people <sighs> saving original art from like the trash. Oh yeah, they threw they threw <sighs> most of that got thrown out from the golden silver. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but doesn't it doesn't it like it doesn't it hurt your heart? Like it yes. kills me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <sighs> if it makes you feel any better, a lot of those pages were probably inked over by Vinnie Coletta. It it's doesn't like, make a difference. Still, would you would you can you okay, here's the thing here's the thing if you could get a Kirby page but it was inked by Coletta. And he and heavy black inks over all that Kirby detail. hundred percent. You still want it? Yeah. And what I would do is I would, I would put it as close to my face as possible (laughs) and see if I could smell the guitar. I mean, the the cigar. I'm not kidding. Like or the guitar. What people don't know is Jack Kirby loved to play guitar. Yeah. Right into the page. You could smell it. Here's a little song. uh, It's called Delancey street. Um, Ryan do 25. Oh, Ryan froze. All right. Let's move on. I'll do 25 while he sorts himself out. Ethan D. from Vermont. I've been thinking about how there used to be so many advertisements and promos in comic books to order, to order various things. Other comics, Kung Fu lessons, X-ray specs, etc. In your years as comic readers, did you ever order anything from these venues? If so, did it live up to your expectations? I ordered a glow-in-the-dark Obi-Wan Jedi ghost figure once. 
But I think it was a cereal box thing, not a comic thing. Did you ever order that. like a mermaid? I have, I have, I, I, I have the, the ghost Obi-Wan too. Yeah, I have that. It's yeah. in the, with the Yoda and the Anakin, the original, yeah. the real Anakin. Yeah. Did you ever order like the, the mer people or whatever that was? The uh, fish people? X-ray specs? Space monkeys? Space monkeys. Or, sea um, monkeys. Sea monkeys. Yeah. I'd ordered... I know I ordered comic back issues from American comics and they would have those sort of lists of partial runs and stuff. I definitely ordered that. I loved it. Cause you, and you'd fill out the form and mail it in or you could call, I guess. Um, I, you know, the things were like, you would um, Olympia or whatever it was. And you would sell shit. And if you sold this many things, you would get like a prize. I did that like twice. Hmm. I, I didn't sell many and I didn't get much of a prize, but I did do it. I think I ended up with like 25 bucks or something. I never ordered. I don't think I ever ordered anything. I don't think I ever ordered anything. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I never did. Uh, I did love I reading those. I really know it was junk. I, I did love read. I did. I did love reading those ads and like reading, getting back issues, getting old X-Men issues from the early eighties, knowing that they were old ads and like still loving yeah. reading them. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that when I came, when I first started reading comics, you're talking about the late 80s, there was still some actual vestiges of that stuff that you would have seen in the early 80s and 70s and 60s in there, like yeah. ridiculous. But they stopped, they must have stopped soon after that. But they still existed. Well, they still had those junk pages for years. A glow yeah. in the dark Obi Wan, like that feels later to me. Yeah, for sure. I, I sent in for the Cobra Commander with the hood. <laughs> Did you get him? Actually, I, that was in the 80s. I never, I never got my refrigerator Perry action figure. Like I sent in the stuff oh. and it never came. Is that like your rosebud? It's like my, uh, the one where Homer Simpson was like, and Mr. T came to the mall and I said, I'd go later. And then when I got there, he was gone. <laughs> it's like that. I'm surprised you haven't bought yourself one. I'm surprised it's not prominently displayed behind you somewhere. Like under light, yeah. like a spotlight. It turns out, though, I don't really care about Refrigerator Perry. It wasn't a good figure, particularly. Well, now I know. And he had the football on the chain, but the chain didn't move. <laughs> okay. Ryan, read uh, 27. 27 is from Ryan M. in Cincinnati, Ohio, which, as I mentioned previously, I used to live in and will be in next weekend. Should numbering stay with a certain character or strictly be the actual title of the book? For example, Brian Reed did a 50 issue run on Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers, before she took the Captain title. If you were legacy numbering, would you include Miss Marvel into Captain Marvel numbering? Or would Miss Marvel be Reed's run and then go into Kamala Khan's run? Question mark. Nothing makes sense, nothing matters, but if you ran the comics world, how would you determine the legacy numbering? So glad nothing has changed since I've been gone. <laughs> so, do you know if they include those numbers and how they calculate those legacy numbers? I mean, it's all can say it's bunk in a way, but if I knew, I couldn't talk about it. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if they include Brian Reed's Miss Marvel work into the Captain Marvel legacy number. I have no idea. I can ask if you want me to. Uh, I'm sure they do. If the like right now, I mean, the problem, not right now. No, text, I, 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 no, the problem text. is that if I if I go to work and ask Brevoort. It's like an. I'm like, I Tom. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Like Tom. Like, yeah. So. <laughs> so I think here's how I think it should work. There should be a main series. It should be continuous. It it like theoretically doesn't end. If for some portion of that, one of the characters is replaced by a different person, then it is it is part I of that. It, like, I think that breaks the chain. If it's a different character. And, Lead. Yeah, but like, what about like the Fantastic Four? I think it should just be the name of the book. I right? think it should be random. 
whatever the book is called, that should be, you know, if, if the book is called Fantastic Four, it shouldn't matter who the characters com- that comprise the Fantastic Four are. So you think Miss Marvel should have kept going fifth, but number 51 for Kamala Khan instead of number one? I think if I'm being logically consistent, I would say yes, but I also, I also am not, I'm not that. No, no, bothered. no. But Kamala Khan isn't Captain Marvel. She's Ms. Marvel. No, that's, that's what a I said. different 50, character. No, I, I said that. Different 50 issues of Ms. Okay. Marvel. So do you not count those issues of Batman with John Paul Valley? What? It's still Batman. Got him. Well, that was, that was that was a temporary storyline, not a new character with a new book. Well, no, that's what I'm talking about. Though. Right, but there's a difference in publishing between new, char- new character, new series, and, and Batman's hurt for a while. So somebody else takes that's a, that's continuing his Batman story. This wouldn't have been an issue before ten years ago, whenever it was that Marvel did their everything's a miniseries. It wouldn't exist because we know that Amazing Spider-Man is Amazing Spider-Man is Amazing Spider-Man. And sensational Spider-Man is a different thing, right? But now still, they would have changed for a new character if I think they would have made it. Well, no, they wouldn't have. Like it depends if the, if it's a new new permanent character. I think they would give them a new book. That happens all the time. It's right, but if we're talking, about, I'm saying it's the title. The title is the thing, and if the title changes, that counts. Amazing Fantasy becomes Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, that's it's, uh, tough. Runs it's the time. title. That's the run. That's the action comics. Yeah. Wasn't always you know Superman. It was. It was. He was issue number one. Detective Comics. Detective Comics wasn't always Batman. That's the, that's that's what I was thinking. Whatever. All right. No thoughts from John. We can't get it out of him. Okay. Monica M. There are so many TV shows. So can't there be one about making comics? An adaptation of Hey Kids Comics, The Bear, but about a graphic novel? Like, can't there be a show about comics, guys? There could be. I think there could be. Just somebody's got to do it. Possible. I thought there's pitches out there. I bet there are. It's very likely it fails. What, uh, I was recently in Charlotte for a uh, Charlotte, North Carolina for a meeting and um, the discovery place, the children's science museum there in Charlotte has the Marvel superheroes exhibit on, on exhibit right now. And it's not really a science exhibit, but it's an exhibit about, you know, Marvel comics. And it incorporates a lot of incorporates more about like the comics making process than I expected it to include in a way that I thought was actually really well done and really fascinating, had a lot of original art and, I don't know that you can necessarily adapt that to a narrative TV show or, or story, but like I was impressed with how well it translated into a museum exhibit. So I think it suggests that there's a there there when it comes to adapting the process of making comics into a medium that other people can consume as a form of entertainment. There's certainly enough. There's, if, there's if enough entertainment. If there was going to be, it would have been this yeah. or something like it, or it would have been Cavalier and Clay. It's, of course it's possible, but it's not cool. And it's not something a lot of, so like food, everybody's into food. Everybody's into a restaurant. Everybody's into hospitals. Everybody's into cops. Uh, you know, Halt and Catch Fire. We're talking about it earlier. It's about the computer industry. Small audience. Like it's possible. You'd, you'd, it'd be, it'd be a niche show. That got four or five seasons though. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. But it was like a tiny audience. It was, you know. Right. But, it, but you're saying you know, like, it would get can't like Halt and Catch Fire lasted much longer than I thought it would. I don't. I'm, I wasn't talking about cancellation. I was just talking about audience okay. size, like Succession as a tiny audience. Like it wouldn't be, right. you know, if they were still network dramas, like it wouldn't be a network drama. It's not happening. I think it yeah. might be. It might be a sitcom the last season. But Josh, I mean, I'd watch if it was good. I'd watch the shit out of it. Watch. I haven't read a question in a thousand years. Yeah, no, twenty nine. So I'm telling you to read twenty nine. You keep getting up and leaving. Jason M says, "Is it time to add a new quote age distinction to the eras of comics, golden, silver, bronze, modern? It feels like the modern age has gone on too long in comparison to the others. What do you think of something like the movie age, Ugh. circa 2008, no. after the MCU hit, Disney Marvel, Disney purchases Marvel, the WB took a keener interest in DC? It seems like the entire 
vibe of the industry shift. So, the, so like the bullshit age. I I agree that the the modern age has gone on too long. I think what yep. you do is you either rename the modern age to something else, and this is the modern age, or you make the modern age, and then this is like the the conglomeratization age, corporate or age. like corporate, age, corporate yeah. age, yeah, corporate age, yeah, yeah. I would never want it's another medium that, to influence the, the name, is, though. Right, true. I, I I'm sure, but um, the problem with the corporate age is that you at the same time while you have the corporate corporatization of comics you have a robust and like creator owned creativity boom happening, you know, like in that then too, right? Like, like the, the, the adaptation is the multimedia age. It's the, yeah. like, the digital like, age. Digital age. Yeah. yeah. That, that's it. Got it. But you're, but modern has been too long. It's been what, since 86. So. Yeah. Over, 86. Over I mean, yeah. Changed it. That, that should last through. 2000 the crash I think, yeah i think like, you need to come up with a new name for 86 to 2000 like the gritty yeah. age or like right. whatever it is right and then two dark, dark age the dark age the dark age yeah and then then two like let's do ultimate, this let's get this ultimate spider-man really like the 2001 that's i feel like that's the plant in the ground Thanks, for ron. for the for the modern age as it yeah. were you know so ron i want you to start socializing this tomorrow at the con start, I, start I, okay. referring to the dark age and the, I'll start. I'll start. The, I'll start the whisper. Oh, is that a dark age book? Um, yeah, I'll start yeah, a whisper exactly. campaign. Yeah, just yeah. say it like it's established. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, 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 if they, like if they were to question you, you'd be like, everyone knows that. So this is a dark age. Eighty-six to two thousand. <laughs> Josh, do thirty also, since you want to do another one. <laughs> yeah, Kyle W says, "Do you ever compose an impromptu score or soundtrack in your head as you're reading a comic?" No. Nope. 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 Next thirty-one. <laughs> Jonathan S. from Olympia, Washington says, I have a question about podcast sponsors. Can you tell me any behind-the-scenes stories, what are we, idiots, about podcast sponsors that were too good to be true, snake oil hustlers, or better than you thought they would be? I've wondered about this part of business these nigh-on 18 years. I got bad news for Jonathan. These are not exciting stories. These are stories about business deals. It is as boring as it might as well tell you about our end-of-the-year finance meeting as well. I mean, it's not that exciting. I bet they find that interesting. I, I mean, I mean, more, it, more than advertisers. I would say in more recent years, it's more like they want to advertise with us. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like, yeah. I don't think we've we've pumped it. I would it say, I would say, there's a couple that were like, "Nah, we're not going to do that." Like right. that's as close as I think it would come. Like we're not going to do pornography. The only we're not broke yet. The only no. sponsor story I ever think of is how we were desperate to get Premio sausages to sponsor us. Do you remember that, Ron? <laughs> Which, by the way, I think you you need to make happen again. So we that we was all you, Connor. You you Lloyd. No, no, we you you Lloyd Braun the shit out of that. I so, emailed yeah. premium sponsors cold, us premium sausage cold, and and talked about it. And as befitting a company like premium sausage, probably not run by the most forward thinking people, they only wanted to ever website on the website because they didn't understand podcasts. And so we did a, we did like a couple of weeks of premium sausage on the website, which I thought was yeah. amazing. But I read I desperately wanted to read a premium sausage ad to the point where if you're listening, I might even do it for free just because that's how much I want just to have premium sausage be the sponsor. I will say, by the way, many of our sponsors, like I know Connor and I, we're huge Mac Weldon fans. Yeah. I'm still a Harry's customer. Yep. Yep. I'm wearing Bombas right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, it's possible I bought more Mac Weldon than we made from it, but, um, <laughs> well, it worked out for them. Some 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 retailers technically still owe us money. Ryan, I know that. Ryan, read thirty two. That's a story. 
32 from Francisco J. Francisco. I just finished the West Wing for the first time, and I think it's in my top three shows of all time. It That's was definitely correct. a unique experience to watch the show through 2023 eyes. My question is, do you think the show would still work if it was released today? What would change? Honestly, I'm just looking for an excuse to hear you guys talk about this. Take it in whatever direction you want to go. Exclamation point. Um, I have thoughts, but <laughs> I, I'm guessing thoughts. you're not as big of a fan as the three of us are. No, I'm a huge fan of okay. West Wing. I love the West Wing, but I also, based on my experience living All in right. DC and having worked in policy, it's destroyed the city. Um, it's it's a I think its legacy is bad because it it posits a world in which if you make the correct rhetorical argument, you can actually convince people the thing that you think is is correct is correct, and that's not reality. <laughs> and I, I think I think the other thing about shouldn't it work that way? It should. Isn't the problem but it, that it doesn't, but that's not the West Wing's fault. Well, it's West Wing is liberal. It's liberal porn. I it's, think, you know, I think what Ryan's saying, what I've, read, like, what I've read is a lot of people, not now necessarily, but maybe 10 years ago, came out of school going to Washington thinking they were going to change the world like on the West Wing. And yes, they hit hard into reality is that it's not at all like that. I think that's what he's saying, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. I am saying that. I also think in the 2023 sense, Aaron Sorkinson wants to direct it himself. And from what I've seen, he's not that good of a director yet. I don't think it works now. It doesn't work. In not the as written. It was, in. A, it was a Clinton era. No, I know. Sure. But what I'm saying is like, if you, if he was to do it right now, set in the current era, it, it oh, would be painful. It would be, be really, painful. it would be really, um, yeah. it would be really dark I, it, and it would be really it's cynical. It's interesting that you call it a, a liberal fantasy because obviously that was the thing with them. But to me, it's still a fantasy about, really smart people working together to do good things. And that, that to me is the, is the joy of it. It's not necessarily that it's, I guess it's that it's liberal, but it really is, is more about like, you know, the, like the, the story on the West wing was never about, it was very rarely about the personal uh, problems. The show wasn't about like so-and-so being angry at such as over time and the tensions. It was no, we're on a team. That guy's our leader. Let's go this way. You know, and there was stuff that happened, but it wasn't about, Will they, won't they? None of that. It was, yeah. let's solve problems, which is, you know, fantasy regardless. Yeah. I think it would be either more cynical or more insufferable because it could get a little bit insufferable even back then. But Sorkin's desire to show how it should be in this time period might be even worse than it was at the time. Yeah. And I think, mm -hmm. I think you know, something like um, the Netflix version of House of Cards, which was a remake of a British show, is like sort of West Wing in the Darkest Timeline. But I, I don't, I don't. I'm not saying that that's like reality either. That's also a, a fantastic. Watch that. Yeah, it's also a fantastical version of of DC. Um, and you know, some people in the comments have mentioned it, but like Veep is probably the closest thing in that, like, it's a bunch of people that are competent enough to keep their jobs, but kind of we're all you know we're all bumbling through best we can, and and, and, and just like everything's an ulterior motive. Everything that you see in the public is fake. Well, and the um, other and the other thing about no Veep, one's that fucking funny. Well, the other thing about Veep that I think rings really true to my experience in Washington is um, Tony Hale constantly whispering information the second before it's needed. Like that to me is is really accurate yeah. in terms of just like nobody really knows everything. Everybody's everybody's knowledge is a mile wide and an inch deep. So like it's you know you're constantly faking it till you make it. Before we read this next one, I just I need Ron to hear this before he goes. Um, I don't need you to read the whole message like this, but am I getting kicked out or something or no, no, I just want you to hear something. Okay. Uh, Ryan, can you announce the next email in the room? 
In the you want me to go yeah, through the voice? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to hear this. Island P from South Africa. It's not an effect. Wow, that's, 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 impressive. that's impressive. a practical. Yeah, it really that's is impressive. What five non-superhero graphic novels would you recommend to someone to get them to appreciate the art form? Non-superhero. So non- a serious polyp. Pedro and me. Blankets. Parker. 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 Persepolis. Box office poison. Mouse. Mouse, Mouse and box office points are great. Yeah, Mouse, about, Mouse should have been the first thing Mel said. What about five non-superhero graphic novels that have been released this decade? Oh, I don't know. Oh, like oh, name. Oh, harder. Uh, this one summer, I think it was a. Uh, I can't remember. Anything I don't think about we like comics than... anymore. That's not true. Uh, Giant <laughs> Days. Which one? Well, I mean, it's the first the, one. There's seven of them. The the impending blindness of Billy Scott. Well, all the ones, all the, ones the last book? ten years are all kids' books in the bookstores. Yeah, Raina Telgemeier book. I mean, uh, Smile or whatever. The uh, Encyclopedia of Early Earth. Oh. Dragon Hoop. Good answer. It's Dragon Hoop in the chat room. Reckless Dragon in the chat Hoops room. Dragon is a great answer. Yeah. Kent State is another great one. There's still there's still good stuff out there. Yeah. yeah um, I don't know. Patrick K. from North Carolina. Astro City is my favorite series, and especially issue three, when we see things from the point of view of a random henchman and what they go through. It made me think, what villain or organization would you like to be a henchman for? Who would you absolutely not work for? I've been thinking about this since all of you died because of faulty Mr. Freeze equipment. I mean, I would love to be Batman 66 Penguin henchman. Uh. Oh. See, no, he says what organization. So to me, that means Hydra like AIM. Hydra, no, yeah, yeah. I, I, think like, like, an, I think I'm an AIM guy, right? Well, Penguin's an organization. He's an organized criminal. He's got an organization. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just setting It's the, not setting like he's a Catwoman by herself. He's got a whole... You know, company going. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Roxon. I feel like they probably have a good benefits package. Uh, you know, do. most of the people are just working a uh, working a regular job. Do you see yourself as the so Tom Wamsgans of Roxon, or like what's your what's your role in the organization? No, I, I could I, the fact that like the, the sad truth, I could never get a job at Roxon. Are you like, like cousin I, Greg of Roxon? Like yes, your... he would be. Yes, I would take aim because I, 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 I just think that maybe we shouldn't drill in Asgard. I, I don't I I don't I don't know if if but you know but that'd be good too. That's fine. Uh, I think I'm an aim guy. I think I have to go aim. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say aim because you know the hat. Ron, do you and you thought? could be you could be doing research. I yeah. said I said penguin in oh, 1966. You said penguin. That's right. That's right. Because you want yeah, the goon yeah. shirt. Yeah, I want the I want the I want the wardrobe. Yeah, exactly. And plus, also, let's be honest, the workload wasn't terribly challenging. <laughs> no, you just have to flail yeah. around to some guy. Hit you know, it's funny that you say that. Is you you're totally like a workaholic. Like for right. you to say, like I could say the workload, and you'd be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." You don't want that. You want like scenario, penguin management. In this scenario, I'm okay to just go with the flow. You know, fair. <laughs> fair. Thirty six, Eduardo R. If you could pay, uh, bring back one of your favorite series with the creative team of your choosing for, let's say, a ten or twelve issue run, who would it be? Maybe it's a series that you feel ended prematurely and unfinished. My choice would be Rock and Brew Baker with Michael Lark returning to finish out Gotham Central. One series to come back for a Frasier esque return to. I have I have two answers, same author, different artists. Interesting. One. What is it? <sighs> this is going to sound okay. I'm saying this with sincerity. Oh. I would love another twelve issues of Next Wave with Warren Ellis and Stuart Immonen, and I would love another twelve issues of Fell with Warren Ellis and Ben Templesmith. 
There are caveats. We like to talk about Warren Ellis yet. Caveats caveats up the wazoo on that one. He's he's still in jail, isn't he? I've decided it's okay to talk about Warren Ellis. Okay. I mean, whatever. (sighs) The the next, there's two questions away that this is kind of a giveaway for, but I would a thousand percent take another arc of Queen and Country. Yep. Um, for sure. by any of those artists or somebody else who he, who Greg Rucka picked. Um, but it would have to be one of the more cartoony artists. I think that your Rolston, how Norton did that. Somni, Somni was on that. Oh, you don't want Somni um, or Leandro Fernandez. Uh, I, I think it would be really fun. I, I, an Alan Moore one, let's say top 10. Yes. Oh. Another 10 issue. Another 10 to 12 issues. of top 10 would be awesome from Alan Moore. That's a great uh, choice. Like we kept getting more. And, and Gene, um, um, you want Gene Ha or do you, do you have a different artist in mind? I want Gene Ha. I yeah. definitely want Gene Ha. I like that answer a lot. I'd, I'd go for some more Claremont Lee X-Men. <laughs> There's some magic. That. There's some magic there. I get it. I'd do it. I'd do it. I think that another arc of um, Straczynski on Watchmen before Watchmen, I think that would no. <laughs> uh, this next question, I'm curious if Ron's allowed to talk about or just in private when he's with us. Uh, Ryan, read Patrick. Patrick A. After listening to episode eight nine nine, I was reminded of previous episodes where you Jamokes claimed that names don't affect sales anymore. However, the success excitement around Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers and its accompanying Kirkman based relaunch would seem to contradict this. Is it just that new names can move the needle or is this an aberration? I've been listener since 2006. So I suppose you could say I've been thinking about this question since then. I would say that he's overestimating the success of Transformers. Yeah, but I'm wondering what, what, metric, what metric is he using for that? To, to say that's a, and it, what is the real reason that people are buying it? Is it because of Daniel Warren Johnson or is that one aspect for some are they, of are they just Are they just getting lucky because they're into it for Transformers and they, they're benefiting by I, Daniel Warren Johnson? And I think... Yeah. Kirkman has a cachet that when you mix it with that book and sort of the different approach, I'm guessing the Transformers people are somewhat excited or yeah. angry. In either case, they're buying it. And and okay, so but but take this the other way. If you take Daniel Warren Johnson and you put him on Fantastic Four or whatever it is, right? You're gonna see a bump on that first issue. It's not gonna be huge, but you probably will see it. It ain't gonna sustain them. It's always a, it's always a confluence of of creator character and premise that causes a bump to happen and it, they don't happen as much these days, but it's always a combination. It's always, it's hardly ever just one of those things. That yeah. It. Like I'm, I'm thinking of the last big one that I remember, and I'm sure there have been some, but Scotty Young did rocket raccoon and they sold 300,000 copies of the first issue or something. And that was like a, a big deal. I, I can't think of anybody doing that today. Yeah. I mean, we're all excited about Transformers, but I don't, I don't think Transformers is like the number one book of the, of the month or anything. We'd have no idea because no one reports sales anymore. Right. I'm sure it's profitable. I'm sure it's quite profitable. And I'm sure that Daniel Warren Johnson is going to get some well, great royalties out of it. I mean, I will say that the um, – thanks, Gabe, for the baseball update, by the way. I will say that my personal opinion is that I don't think creator names move the needle in the way that they used to, which I think is obvious. Right. But – from a professional standpoint and like what we do at Marvel, like we still set, you know, tout the creators sure. and celebrate the creators because it's the backbone of it. But it's not like how it used to be, in my opinion. It's not, it's not for whatever weird reason it happened. And, and, and this is not a slight against creators. I want them to be the reason that books sell. I want, because somebody is a creative genius to be the reason that people buy books. Like that's, right. you know, 
that should be the way it is, and we should recognize that, but it's not the market. Timu H, no, Timu R from Helsinki, Finland, has two questions. The first is, how is the Brubaker Timu Phillips, H is an asshole. How is the Brubaker Phillips cooperation hitting you nowadays? Please talk about them and their legacy, too. I've loved them for such a long time. So am I the only one reading the Reckless books as they come out? Yep. They're good. They're really, really good. They're on my list. I want to read them. I, I love what they're doing. I just love that they're existing in this little pocket universe and doing what they want. Yeah, they're making good money doing the books they want to make, and he's doing it his way. They just put out a one that wasn't reckless. That was a weird but good, uh, fucked up murder story. Like they're still doing great. You know, they're doing great work. Surprise, surprise. <sighs> did I buy you a reckless book for Christmas, Josh, last year? Or maybe that was somebody else. Maybe I don't think you did actually. No, because I've got a, like a picture of the books. They're out there. Over. They're out there as a pile. I. I like it. I don't find it all that exciting anymore. It, for a while, it was like, wow, look at these two guys. And then everything that they put out is pretty good. It's entertaining. It's whatever. But it lacks a certain excitement of the new. And I know that like, if you're talking about bands or something, like you want them to stay together and do the thing. But I, I tend to think that the mix and matchingness of comic book people and then coming back around uh, can be really fun. His second question is, Josh, any st- love still <laughs> left for Queen and Country? Years ago, you re- seemed to really love it. How about a redive into it? Yeah, Josh and I still love Queen and Country. It's one of our favorite all-time books. What are we sh- Josh is showing us a, a Chris, Chris Somney uh, through th- uh, a thing from the past was, was going was gonna to do a drawing for me. Like, who do you want? I was like, Paul Crocker from Queen and Country. And then <laughs> I was like, that's what I chose. And I look at it all the time and I think it's beautiful. I love that book. I haven't read it in a while. I have reread it. I've definitely reread it since it came out. Um, I think it's it's my favorite thing Greg Rick has ever done. It really, it's hard for me to remember like what are my favorite series. It is easily one of my favorite series of all time. It came at a point where I was discovering and falling in love with comic books that were outside of, of superheroes at Marvel and DC and and it was like it's one of those things that convinced me that like oh my god comics can do so much more than most of us think that they do, and 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 it was one of the first like um, understanding different artists and what they bring to it and how good somebody can be just doing regular people and that's, and that's a really big deal to me to this day, and I wish I wish it sort of it stuck a little more. Well, that that book went on a long time. For what I, it was. I just mean like I wish I w- it's the same thing that we talk about all the time though is that when a new book comes out from wherever it's always this plus a gorilla it's all the like it's different the, the market's totally different than it was in 2000 I, I know that but I'm saying it's it's like I want more examples of this kind of thing that are really high quality by by high quality creators and it just doesn't it doesn't move in this market the next I, question is kind of related fun. Ryan read Sergio's first question Sergio H asks, I'm not that familiar with indie comics from the 90s, but would love to read some. Do you have any recommendations of some that are not necessarily superhero-based? Indie comics from the 90s, guys, non-superhero. I don't feel like I know that many from the 90s. Most of mine are the early 2000s. Strangers in Paradise. Late, late 90s. Yeah, mid, mid, late 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bone. Cerberus. All the other caveats. 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 Next Men, was that superheroes? Yeah, superheroes. They, he was just doing the X Men, just like yeah. Jim Lee was. Hellboy, Hellboy, Sin City. Sin City is a good, good answer. I mean, the, the first thing that came to mind was was Transcendental and I think that that's Ronin. a modern comic that started then at a really high level. I think did when did From Hell come out? Flag was like eighty two. 
No, from hell, the Alan Moore. Uh, from hell was when we were in college. Yeah, so so. the nineties. Yeah, yeah, mid nineties. There you go. Oh, straight bullets. Straight bullets. I never liked that. Oh, I love straight bullets. You liked a hundred bullets though. When did that start? Mm, not. I did for a while, but I didn't make it past. Ghost World was the nineties. The Tick. Hellboy. I mean, when was when was Chris when was uh, Chris Ware's heyday? It was, uh, so Jimmy Corrigan. That's like. That's 2000. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was um, working on it in the 90s. Love and Rockets. 80s? Scud Rockets? No, Love and Rockets. Well, I mean, that, yeah, but um, Scud the Disposable sa- Assassin. What year was Mouse? That was 80s. 90s. Was it 90s? Was it? Okay. Yeah. Mouse. Interesting. Mouse. Concrete by. Uh, Ooh, Paul yeah, I loved, I loved Concrete. Concrete's great. I, definitely... I can't think of any names. You go concrete as like Paul Chadwick. Yep. Just I never even read it. <laughs> Hell of a draftsman. Josh, do forty. <laughs> I'm way past forty. Um, Justice S uh, says uh, I'd like Justice Smith. Was one of the either Will Ki- Will Smith's kid or that other actor who's not related? Not him. Justice S said, uh, "I'd like to hear you each recount a time in the show that you think is especially memorable to you alone. Obviously, we all love the big ones, Middle Manager, Red Skull. Uh, what's something that it, that just is just bullseye? You there's a letter missing there. Uh, for me, it was the time when Ron conflated the scene from My Blue Heaven, where Steve Martin crumples up Rick Moranis's pants, into another movie where the character aggressively crumples paper." Josh and Connor both had no memory of this moment uh, since it did not happen in the movie being discussed. And you all moved on with the show. I, however, in a moment of mental quantum entanglement with Ron's mind, somehow knew that he, what he was thinking and desperately wanted him to figure it out. A few minutes later, after moving on to a new topic, Ron interjects, Oh, I was thinking about the scene from my blue heaven where my arm shot up in the air, like an NFL ref signaling a touchdown to this day. I really have no idea how I was able to make the mental leap to what Ron was thinking, nor do I really have any idea why that moment brought me so much joy and continues to today. Nothing we say is going to be better than that. (laughs) Do any of you have a memory of this? None. I have a vague memory of, Vague, a vague memory. It was, it was, I mean, like it tracks. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's definitely a thing that did or could have happened. Yeah, it, it tracks. I don't remember it at all. I love my blue heaven. Yeah, I, I, I don't love remember the trumpling of the, the, of the pants. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah, one of my yeah. favorite. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> when you wear the pants in the jacket. Was he crumpling? Uh, oh, he's crumpling the pants in response to that. Yeah. All right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hmm. I had one when I first I read this email, and I can't think of what it was. I mean, it's been it's come up a couple of times, so I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, you know, I, I was overserved in episode 800, thanks to my lovely wife who made me a moonshine-based cocktail. And there was a question late in the the evening where we were asked what the most important or influential character in Star Wars was, and I just said, "Well, it's Luke." And Josh lost it and laughed a lot. Uh, and and I'll admit that's not a moment I remember. Uh, <laughs> thanks thanks to the, the, the cocktail that I had, but. Um, I'd gotten I'd gotten feedback since that like people went and listened to that and like listened to it on repeat because it was such a funny moment where Josh and I just were lost it we're vibing with each other and that was a that's a that's a funny great moment for me. Is it is it terrible that I can't? I don't remember. No, I remember feelings. I remember every time and, we all laughed to the point of tears together was yes, something I always remember. Like think about. I, I, I'm thinking of specific things over the past however many years, like Connor and I. And that's because him and I have been doing it together for such a long time now. 
I think very much of the feeling of that, of the losing it and just every little thing sort of building. But I don't, I couldn't tell you what caused it because that's never the point. It's never that funny. Just now you said Luke and I started laughing and I don't know why. I don't know why it's funny. I don't remember that happening. Because it was but so obvious. That's why. We were trying to pull, we were trying to <laughs> deep pull characters. We were like, no, it's Luke. Luke's it really the most important character of the, of the story. Like, um, <laughs> it is, like, what's funny is that like just now, I don't remember it, but it, I find, clearly I find it inherently funny. Right. Because I'm reacting as if. I have one word. When when just hearing this, the one word that popped into my mind, at least for me, is uh, Rusty Auto Parts. Right. Yeah. Yes. That, I yes. still, I will. I will think of that randomly just throughout my day and just start laughing. Yeah. So that's when Ron couldn't pronounce uh, the listener's Rusty Auto Parts. Handle Rus- Rusty, Rusty Auto Parts. Because <laughs> it was all. It was all conflated together, and yeah. I didn't know where. Yeah, yeah. So I get it. You saw it in a certain way. Yeah, exactly. And that was what it was. I, I totally you expected understand. it to be a name, and then it right. wasn't a name. It right. was, and your brain tried to make it work. I feel like there were definitely powers that Connor gave people, and and Ron, you did it too. You were really good about coming up with powers that were ridiculous. Somebody in the chat room was pointing out Tiny Palpatine, and that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Was that mine? Did yeah, I come up with I'm pretty sure it was yours. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny Palpatine on his shoulder or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm I'm positive that in our pandemic G.I. Joe corner days, we definitely said a lot of things that were funny. Sure. I remember here, here's the thing. This is like this time, and I think this happened, but I think we did a review of the G.I. Joe movie, the first one. Not the animated one, the first cinematic one. And we started talking, and, oh. and we started. Oh, it's Star Wars, <laughs> and Ron starts laughing really hard because I don't even have to explain it. We we're like, "Yeah, it was Star Wars." Like, it was, I don't I, I do remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to pick a single one though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Josh is gone. He's walked away. Oh God, it's funny. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Wow, I'm tired. <laughs> he's, he's like he's James Brown I performing. I can't. I can't. I want to do it, but I can't because I can't do justice to how funny it is in my head. If I try to do it out loud, it ruins it. So uh, Dan, Dan G has three questions about r- romance and relationships. So that's exciting. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get into it. I missed this. I just give you relationship advice. Totally <laughs> unqualified relationship advice in our twenties. So Dan, she says, when you were single and dating or when you started dating your significant other, how long was it before you showed your full nerd side? Did you keep it hidden until you were comfortable? Did you pepper in little comments or references? Or did you just come out of the gate with your nerd flag held high? That's his first question. I can't can't hide. I can't hide it. I've never been able to hide it. Come out out of the gate. There's there's no point in hiding it. There's no point in hiding it. Yeah. I wouldn't though. Like, if, like, what we're gonna find out what I'm like and not like me, right? It's, Hiding it itself. I will say what's funny in my most recent relationship with my current wife. Um, <laughs> what a weird I like at first it was funny, and then I was like, actually, that's correct. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, she knew all about all of this, but she she feels as if I I buried the the, the Disney parks. Oh, I, I can get, you buried it for us. <laughs> She yep. shared it to us. Huh. One day we were like, is Ron like super into Disney like weirdly? And like, and did you know it was this? a little like 
It was a little like referring to comics by the Dark Age. Like all of a sudden, it was just introduced as like a plot point that had always already existed. Yeah, and we didn't know. Yeah, and I remember talking to you one day, and I was like, "What is it that you like?" And like you had a fully form, and I was like, yep. "This has been going on a while." Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's accurate. That's one hundred percent accurate. Yeah, I, I don't. It's like finding out that Connor's really into like cave diving. Yeah, I'm a I'm a, I'm a, I'm a free years. diver. You didn't know I'm a free diver. Are you spelunking? I didn't know that you spelunking. Connor. Yeah. Connor, I, I would love to go spelunking with you. I really want to test the the limits of my ability. Um, Somebody just asked, "What episode is Tiny Palpatine?" I don't know. Ask Chris. Actually, Chris, I can look. We can look it up in the spreadsheet. Actually, but not right now. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, there's no point in hiding it. Everyone I've dated has known from the beginning. But also, it's also just a, a it's just a slice of my personality and interest. I mean, it, 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 what's your advice? Is like always fucking be yourself. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know how to be anybody. I don't want to be. Unless you're trapping them with your like your charm and money, and then you know, you reveal the bat cave behind you. But other or than that, they have money and right. you want to get that that's money. True. And you're trying to trap them. Yeah. No one told me to do that when I was well, young, which they should have. It's the implication. Yeah, it's the yeah. implication. Number two. Is there a particular fandom of yours that your significant other absolutely does not get down with or does hate? Is there, is there I have a, two. Is there a fandom that your significant other does not understand? If one of them's alcohol, that's not that's not a hobby. That's a <laughs> no. Problem. It's, it's neither. They're both they're both things I consume uh, <laughs> audiovisually. <laughs> have nothing to do with alcohol. Um, <laughs> Josh is drunk. There's a series of books I, I absolutely adored when I was a kid called the Animorphs. Uh, you all are probably too young for them, but they're about they're kids who turn into animals and they fight aliens. Too young, too old. Is the second one going to be Power Rangers? No, the second one's not Power Rangers. My Because Power Rangers is something I attack you all with. My yeah. wife does not ha- ever have to deal with Power Rangers information. Um, the second fandom, Josh, is actually something I think you and I share to a degree. And it's like the, the original top. It's the Top Gear guys. <laughs> really oh. not into like not into the Clarkson, May, Hammond, Top Gearness of it all. But that's that's something I, I, I. The whole family's into it here. All of our family got bored of it. But there's lucky. a bit, a special or two ago, where <laughs> they again. filled. I think I think they filled May's like little camper with water, yes, and then the, he opened the door and he just goes like we watched it as a family over and over again. It was so that's, good. That's I, three specials ago. That was their Scotland special with American mm-hmm. with seventies American saloon cars. Yes. Yeah. Ron, does your wife get down with your Disney stuff? A little bit, yeah. I mean, not. I mean, not. You know. What about Twin Peaks? What about Twin Peaks? Is she into Twin Peaks? Um, no, no. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> I have the same problem. I showed her the trailer. She was like, "Nope." Yeah, she's like, "Yeah, no, uh, yeah." I don't really have like my wife and I have a lot of interests. Like, I've, I've, there's quite a does lot. She, of how does she feel about guitars? Too? How does she feel about guitars? Does she like guitars? In Ambivalent the, everywhere in the house. Right. Propping up the, not the couch else. and the, just in here. hanging from the like I would Like I wouldn't take care of my shit, please. His final I question, conversely, is there a fandom that your significant other discovered as a result of being with you that you, you were surprised that they liked? And I'll say Star Trek. I, I will agree with Star Trek. Star Trek. My wife's super into Star That's, Trek now. Yep, yep. It's, it's not surprising she for wants to watch Connor's like situation, but it's somewhat surprising yep. for Ron's. Because oh, no. the one is predisposed. I will tell. I will. I will tell you. She. She. She's a surprise. I remember when we first got together, and then you like start. You know, I watch this show. Do you watch this show? And we're like, you know, kind of like comparing notes. And she put forth. She's like, "Do you watch Agents of Shield?" And I was like, 
do you? <laughs> and and turns turns out she was a big West Wing fan and became a big Clark Gregg fan and just and it's a show with Clark Gregg and so she started watching it and was like super invested in Agents of Shield and I was just like I I did not predict that one so yeah you're right show. I remember that I remember yeah. that she was yeah. super into it yep and then I got I got Clark to, I got Clark to send her a video message when she was pregnant to cheer her on that was awesome. I mean, is there a fandom? Like, there's bands. Cheers. Huh? Cheers to Connor. I just got a new drink delivered to me via Star Trek teleporter. Is it another one of those? Are you being overserved? Because it is that same one from the beginning. No, I've had three over the course of the last two and a half hours. It's not overserved. Jesus. Ryan? Knives? Is she into, is she into knives or crossbows? <laughs> you do look like a guy who's into knives. Yeah. Um, I, actually, I've gotten her into archery. That's that's something that I I was into. That's a sentence I didn't well, expect well, to hear. What what era movie villain is Ryan right now, and what kind of movie is it? I think I'm Alan Rickman in uh, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. Nah, you're too. No, nice you look looking. more like a it's some evil. kind of Eastern European bad guy in like a Mel Gibson movie. Right. Like an '80s Bond villain. I could be. I'll take it. The South like, African like, guy like, in Lethal Weapon like, Two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, he's yeah. like he's like the he- he's like taking South over Africa. a small African country. Yeah, yep. and 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 like you're one like of the top mercenary to the regular guy because the regular guy's like older than three piece suit. Yes, and you're the mercenary yeah, you're the guy, guy who has to fight. Yeah, I mean you guys. I mean you guys are my you guys are my older commanders. That's, that's <laughs> ouch, ouch. All right, Calm A from Cork, Ireland. Our Irish brother says, "Now, despite your 18 years of my fanboying." I am that person that appreciates you explaining the concept of the show at the beginning because I only started listening to you from episode 892. So like three weeks ago. Eight weeks ago. Two months he's been listening. The main reason for this is because somewhere around 2012 or 2013, I was very casually into comics for about a year and then dropped off entirely. However, in the last three months or so, I got the itch. I got the itch. It's always the itch. And I've dived in fully. I'm reading the classics that always pop up at the top comics to read lists. But I also, I'm also giving certain writers and artists to go. I'm figuring out what I like best. Brubaker and Phillips, Tinney and the Fourth, Zadarsky, or just a few I've been enjoying. Overall, I must say that I found myself gravitating more towards image-published comics. Got me thinking, as someone someone is basically due to all this, I'm clueless as to when it comes to differences between the publishers. So would you explain the differences to me, please? For those living under a rock, no Marvel and DC are superhero publishers, but what makes different from each other? How would you differentiate image from boom? Are IDW and Dark Horse considered mainly licensing publishers? And of course, all the ones I've neglected to mention. So, can you help me out while I navigate this essentially new world? Much appreciated. Is anybody else categorizing this in their mind as by which rich investor decided to fund a comic book company? No, because I'm just a joke. All right, all right, jeez. Well, we're trying to talk business here. Marvel and DC are not that different. I don't think. I mean, everyone's got different opinions, but ultimately, I think it's the same kind of thing. Slightly different history, but image. End of the day, so if you take Dark Horse, Image, Oni. IDW, Dynamite. From a publishing standpoint. I mean, Image app operates differently than the rest of them do, I think, right, Ron? Uh, 100%. Yeah, completely. So they're, yeah. they're 100% creator. You you have more of a you have more of a centralized editorial in Boom and Oni and Dark Horse and stuff like that, where Image, it's more of a publisher choosing to work with other, and the editorial is decentralized. Yeah, there's not an in-house staff who who right. does those they schedule. Yeah, them. Yeah. yeah, and then up until Transformers, Image didn't, or was it Transformers or Image didn't do licensed books? What was the first one they did? Yeah, I feel like there was one here. Was there one right before? No, they were licensed by Image. They were licensed by the creator. Right. Yeah. 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 
Dark Horse is owned by Embracer, the big conglomerate, and See? they lost all their big licenses. They're they're transform. They're they're Star Wars. They're the Predators or Aliens. They're Dark Horse was an independent label started by Mike. Yeah, Richardson. and it was it was very close to an image, if not for business wise, from what they published early on with Sin City and Hellboy and things that were wholly yeah. from creators. But it, but it was a, it, they were they were there was editorial. They were you know they were choosing their their line. Yeah, yeah. Um, before they became basically a, a video game hardcover house and they make their money that way. IDW is weird. IDW is a weird company because they put yeah. out terrific stuff. I mean, all the, all the Parker books right behind me. We just talked about them earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that Scott Dunbeer is, is basically, you know, like a Wildstorm editor who's there and he gets to curate his little corner of great books. And, but they do license stuff. They do, they do all sorts of books. I don't really know what they are. Dark horse. IDW and Dynamite are very similar, and they make their bones on licensed materials. Boom! Yep. Boom does license stuff. Boom does license. Yep. Yeah. And they do a lot of kids' license books. Yeah. Actually, Boom, Boom, Boom is a very Boom. thriving kids' business, young adult and kids' business. I don't know that I can categorize like some of the newer ones: Aftershocks, uh, um, AWA, Ahoy, uh, AWA. AWA, I do kind of understand. Yeah. AWA was like like folks who used to run Marvel in the late nineties, yeah. 2000, who, who came to sort of bring what they did to other kinds of comics with almost the same creators from that. Right. Like J. Michael Straczynski and you know, whoever Axel is in charge of it with what's his name. Who's the guy, the Joe Quesada. Jemis. And, yeah. Jemis, Bill Jemis. I would say this isn't going to mean anything to guys who reading comics for eight weeks. I've got, I've got to say to the letter writer, calm. You've got Marvel and DC and then you've got image. And then the rest of them are sort of very similar licensed houses. That's also also make some original stuff and they each get like a very small person if you want to say like marvel and dc this is just vastly simplifying it 40 percent, 40 percent, you know and then everybody else gets a little slice you know to one extent or another five percent of the market or something like that this is the usagi ojimbo tv show yeah on netflix i had no idea josh yeah. how do you feel about that i had no idea wow. listen how i feel about it is whatever Makes Stan Sakai happy. Right. And money. Whatever allows him to make money and do what it is that he wants to do, I am for. I don't care what he licenses to. I think it's also not the first time Usagi Yojimbo has been animated. I think it wasn't he in the the Turtles cartoon? Yeah. That was really probably the thing that gave him the boost that he could stay stay alive. I don't care. Like, I don't care. You know, I don't look down a. Laird Neesman because they licensed turtles up to up to your eyeballs. Like this comics are still good. As long as you know, I'm glad these guys made money off whatever they did. Yeah. Ryan do 43. 43 by Micah L asks, let's say Captain America is sucked through a time portal. What wow. American historical event and figures would you like to see Steve Rogers interact with or a specific event during the Second World War? I mean, the easy answer here for me is that because he's primarily associated with a major war and event in history, and history is often told around the flashpoints of violence. That's that's just a thing. I think, I don't know if everybody does, but Western historians definitely do that, where when we talk about eras, it's sort of almost always related to a war that takes place because those are the turning points. So with World War II being sort of an essence of his character, then you'd have to say, I mean – the Revolutionary War probably my first choice because it's the closest to sort of that single goal that everybody has. The Civil War is a little, a little uglier, I think, because yes, brother versus brother. 
I would yeah. I would uh, like to see him interact during the teapot dome. Ooh. Really coming going into Congress and slamming his fist down, saying well, we won't stand yep. for any more scandal. Sure. Yep. I would I would like to see him get shipped off to Cuba with a Theodore Roosevelt and just be like, what are we doing? Right. <laughs> on San Juan Hill, just like, yeah. Why are we um, here? I would like to see him like really, really digging into investigative journalism with Upton Sinclair. I think that's really like an untold story, right? The jungle. Steve Rogers is the jungle. Um, like, like, you don't want him in Vietnam. No. Like, that's. No, I kind of, I kind of want to see him in the early. Maybe this is just because I was just in Charlotte, North Carolina at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I didn't go on purpose. There was an event there that I was invited to, but uh, I kind of want to see him like in the early days of Prohibition. I think that would actually be interesting. I think, I think it would have, yeah, like the Rum Runners and you know the Untouchables, and I just think there would be interesting. You want to see Caps smash the mob? Yeah, would he? The mob's one thing, but but like. Again, at the beginning of that, like the the first part of prohibition seems vaguely unjust, and so whenever there's like a thing where you're having him go up against people who didn't necessarily have it coming, I think that's really difficult. Well, the, the mob had it coming; they did, but that's later. There could be an interesting like grapes of wrath, dust, dust bowl, people moving west. You want Cap like beating up Okies as they come across the state line? Well, if Stay they were sooner, if, Oki, were, if well, if you know, if right. the, it's the, really easy to like look at an old West kind of thing and go, that's kind of cool. And then you go, nah, he'd have to kill Native Americans, and that's terrible. Like it's like it lays it lays American history bare in a way that's very difficult. Just to human, deal history, with. Human, two, human history, every bit of human history has sure outrages and injustice. But it, it, in terms of that versus the Nazis, versus the Nazis is the safe bet. He's a black and white villain. Yes. Which is what we've seen in the comics. Is they keep trying to find like he's like he's they're trying to make him search out justice, and it's always kind of weird. There's plenty of people he could just punch. Josh, do forty four. Eric F uh, says, "I've been thinking about this question for almost five years. Since can we really just give credit to the I've been thinking this about the bit. this?" And how- Earlier, the email asked, "Why no bits?" This is the bit that's lived. It's the how many years you've been thinking about it that the, Ron and I came up with on the floor of, of Emerald City Comic Con, and I was thinking and about the today, Ron. Ron. No, it, it was. I, I was- this this is my legacy. This is my legacy. How long have you been? How long have you been thinking about this? Well, yeah, uh, he's the nicest fucking guy. He offered to give me rides. He's like, you can yeah. stay with my my family. He known me for ten minutes. Nicest guy. And you're never gonna know if you're listening to this. Deal with it. So what are we on forty F Eric F. I've been thinking about this question for almost five years since Greg Hickman <laughs> rebooted the X Men universe. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Hickman. He's his brother. That's that's why. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking, like, what if it was like a big island, and and then that was then they all lived forever. Um, cousin Greg Hickman. I want to read any of the best moments that I may have missed during this time, as the reboot has not all been easy to follow. Well, that's because you're looking for Greg Hickman books and you can't find them anywhere. <laughs> like, like, I don't know where this goes. Give me those Greg Hickmans and they're like, what is this guy saying? Off, off the top of your head, what have been some of the best runs or single moments that came out of this era? And do you have any speculation on if they will change this status quo before the MCU X-Men show up on film? We I have, don't know. I have no, no they don't I've, even know what they're doing with the X-Men on film. Does Connor know he's a black square? I have my, my thing is frozen and I don't know how to, I might have to leave I, and come back. I thought you were like changing. You keep answering while I figure out why I'm frozen. I don't have an answer for this. I didn't read it. Ron, talk about the X Men. <laughs> I can't well, talk about the X Men. I'd rather watch you try to figure out your camera. 
But you can talk about what you think were the best. Can can you talk about what you like with the best moments of like Krakoa? Yeah, I mean, I could talk personally what I think. I mean, I love. I'm. I mean, I mean, if it, for me, it, it it's Kieran Gillen and Sinister always like that. That's that, those stuff. That stuff shine. There you are, Connor. Um, that stuff was really my favorite stuff coming out of Krakoa personally. I, I just to caveat, I don't know what's going on with X Men the movie. I'm not in. Yeah, they don't, they don't even know that they're still taking yeah, pictures on it. Yeah. Uh, but I but I will imagine this is not a this is not a knock on Marvel because everyone's doing it. I said once, once there's a movie, then the comics will dovetail because the Avengers have been dovetailing with the movies ever, for the last ten years. So it'll just be it'll just happen that way, and that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. And God forbid some celebrity gives a performance that becomes that version of the comic right. book forever. But that'll be the case. The person playing a, a Oscar winning Blob is going to be really skinny, and suddenly Blob will be skinny in the comics. Yep. I I will say. That at first, and I didn't read it, but if I think about it in a macro sense, the Krakoa thing has been really interesting. Yeah, super. I've been enjoying it. It, 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 like, like it's a, it was a complete overhaul of that universe, and it upended a lot of the things that we thought about the characters and how it went. And it first it took a risk. I, took a I, risk. I don't know. Right? It yep. did. And, and I think ultimately it's going to be a thing that will be remembered for a long time. Long time. Um, and it is, is pretty successful. Again, just for story telling, I don't know anything about you know sales or anything, but I would say read like the read it. the read the um, uh, the uh, gala books. What are they called? The Hellfire, Hellfire Gala, Hellfire Hellfire gala yeah. books. Those are all really fun. Each one of those was fun. Each one of them led to sort of a new direction for the story. Um, and they're good. I mean, it seems to me like if you like a book, just like read the main X Men book, like straight through, get the trades. Yeah, that's go good. That's, that's the best one. Uh, Ryan, do forty five. 45 is from Corey T from Cleveland, Ohio, a place I've never lived and will not be in next weekend. Unlike Cincinnati, Ohio, where I have lived and will be next weekend. All right, all right. Okay. That's three. You get three. You're done with your okay. fucking ridiculous chili. <laughs> it's delicious. I love it. Ron, mother's milk chili from Ohio, Cincinnati chili. Oh, thumbs down. He's giving a thumbs down. Don't tell. I make, don't tell your I buddy make very good chili, by the way. I'm anti uh, uh, chili. Just so you know. In general. All chili. Chili, not just Ohio I chili. I don't prefer it. Yeah, I, 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 I would, would, I wouldn't order it on the menu. As long as it's clear that it's not, we're not denigrating Ohio-based chilies. Uh, that was my dinner. Those are <laughs> that's definitely noodles without chili. And a cacio pepe, just white noodles. <laughs> you say cacio e pepe, I see noodles with no chili on them. Um, so my question is about DC animated movies. What are some Big adaptations noodles. or uh, famous storylines you would still like to see animated? Mine is Superman from all seasons where the art style looks like Tim Sale. I've been thinking about this question for three years and two months. Ryan, what's one you want to – we're on the animation brain trust. What's the one you want to see animated? They've done so many. I never thought we'd get a Superman Red Sun. I know I brought that book up earlier, but that's always been been on my high on my to do list. Um, I just think I think Elseworlds is where I tend to to live in that space. There was one Elseworlds where Superman lands in the nineteen or the the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds jungle of Rudyard Kipling's India, and he's like a, a Mowgli Tarzan yep. figure. That's super fun. But I kind of love to see that. I wrote an article about this a long time ago on the website, like my top 10 stories that I would see, want to see animated. And a couple of them did get animated. animated. Um, I'd still, I know they did a JSA movie already. They won't do another one, but I would love to see that first arc of the Jeff Johns run done. I would love to see the return of Barry Allen from the flash run where it was Wally and Barry and Jay teaming up against the rogues. I thought that was a terrific little arc. I'd love to see the 
Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, Jeff, just they did Gotham by uh, Gaslight, right? They did they Gotham did. by Gaslight, yeah. And I, I don't know how you do it, um, you know, a single movie, and I don't think there's enough juice in there f- in terms of the popular consciousness for multiple movies, but like some James Robinson Starman would be that fucking That works awesome. because it is a long, long form story, though, and you yeah. get to see the arc you can't get 70 minutes and the out development of, of a character. Yeah. That's it. You can't do that in a movie. It doesn't work. It's a. It's like a you know, three season TV series. Or I know. Like I know. I'm just, I'm thinking right? like in, in terms of the, the style and what I would want to yeah. see, like that's, no, that's true. It's totally but, correct. Yeah. I don't watch these animated series yeah. and I probably wouldn't, but have they done Superman secret identity? No, they haven't. No, haven't that would be, be a good one. I'd watch that. That would be a good I want to warn you guys, we're at the home stretch and these questions start getting real, um, existential, quite frankly, skippable. So no, no, unskippable, unskippable. Damn. So, Josh, why don't you do 46, Gabe? Gabe A. from Los Angeles, California says, you guys have talked a bit in the past about how at one point iFanboy was going to get a big rebrand and become a print magazine, but you've been cagey about revealing what the new name was. Why stop? Actually, could you read this next line uh, in in caps, Ryan, please? Why stop being cagey? We your homies. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. Uh, can you finally reveal what the new name for iFanboy was going to be and maybe give us a few more ins and outs of that plan and why it didn't happen? Always into the deep iFanboy history lore. I think I know the answer to this and I wasn't involved. Yeah, it was before you. Um, no. No. Um, I found the mock-up, by the way. I, I have a file here with all the with the mock-up and everything. I, I, I have the printout. I have the hard copy. But yeah, oh, you yeah. have the hard copy? Um, yep, yep. First of all, I, I, why? I, I ran we, we mocked it up to see if it would work. No, 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 no. Why is it a secret? I've just been told it's a secret. People keep asking. Now it's a bit. Nah, the, the thing, I almost said the name. Mm. The thinking about thing is because I was like, this bit, you know, and I almost said it. That's not funny, though. It's just like, well, yeah, because uh, I'll tell you, I, we can tell you why it didn't happen. Well, hold on. I, I want to say I, I ran into Gabe here in LA. He, we were at the same movie. We were both at um, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon at the New Beverly. He, and he uh, shouted out my name as we were leaving at midnight. And I was very confused because I was very tired. Fair. No one holds that against you. We were basically trying to think of how we could move forward. And um, we said, well, let's do a print magazine. We had talked to Image Comics and we theoretically had a green light on that. And so we had planned it. And the idea was we were going to, uh, you know, be a, a, a modern, better wizard. There was a gap in the industry at that moment of like right. a true kind of, it still is, but yeah. Yeah, and by, nor do I think it would be successful at this point, certainly. Back then, it was still a crapshoot. Uh, and that was about the time that we got the offer to be um, acquired by Graphically, yeah. um, which was really the thing where many of us, myself, I was certainly at a crossroads of being able to keep doing this because, as I always explained, when we went into business as Just Like Fanboy, the conversation that I had with my wife was, what's the least amount of money we can live on? And we did that for a good number of years, uh, and eventually we had to move out of New York City. Because it's it was very difficult. So some of these questions are going to travel on uh, similar territory, but yeah, yeah. And so basically, you know, that happened, and things changed. We were going to go away, and then the, the in the same way, we were going to pivot fully to murmur, and then the podcast happened. You know, like things yep. happen, change, and you you pivot your business, and yeah, that's how it goes. We one day we'll reveal the mockups and everything. We have them. I have them right here in a folder. Somebody else used the name too. Yeah, that's the other thing. Somebody yes. else used it, so that's why we didn't. We're not saying what it is. Yeah, it was called Bleeding Cool. Uh, Socrates A from Tennessee. <laughs> it was called Lying in the Gutters, yeah. and then he changed it. Uh, Socrates says, as I'm starting to think of transitioning toward part-time work slash semi-retirement, the thoughts in the back of my head circle around to my favorite comic book podcasts. 
These are mostly labor of loves for hosts, and I know one day there will be an end to the shows. All part of life. Well, I'm sure Josh and Connor are healthy as oxes, as I mm. sit here holding my head and the headache I've got. And can continue, me for, and can continue for the next two decades. What I'm if fine. someone or a group offered to purchase and take over I fanboy the podcast? Would Again? You, would you accept an offer? Wait, we'll get to the answer. Would you accept an offer for the podcast to continue your comic legacy under different hosts? Ballpark a dollar amount. We're not going to do that. But um, we, that already happened. We were... No, but that's a, this is a different question. That's what somebody's saying. Th- yeah, no, someone's we, weren't saying gonna, we weren't going to stay along with that one. The, those guys were going to take... We, were, we already picked out different hosts. Really? Remember? I, yeah. What? Yeah. I don't remember that. I can't, I I can't explain that. it further without getting into the details, but... We 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 were we, we said we would be comfortable with this person taking over the lead of it. Oh, do you remember that? That was part of the condition of the of the deal. None. Did this person do a couple of other shows? Look, we're gonna get we're gonna start spoiling what it was. No but memory of this. I, I, I need you to tell me. No, I, I no don't memory of this. I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after. But, I do remember somebody like offered to buy it, and we gave them a ridiculous number. No, no, no. The one who At offered to buy point. us seriously, we were, Ron and I had several meetings, gave us a ridiculous number. That was less than we were going to make on our own that year. And we were like, why would we do this? We're going to make more than this. And then that I'm was remembering the that too, but I don't remember them wanting to take it over and do the show under our name. Yeah. They wanted our brand and our audience. And we were just going to walk away. Just for a second, you froze and you looked totally normal, but you had no mouth. It was just skin there. It was horrifying. <laughs> and I never want to see you again. <laughs> but yeah, that's what, ha- I mean, we've already had that offer happen and we, we, we entertained it. We'll entertain any offer. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I was gonna say anybody like yeah. If so, if someone wanted to come and and buy this and take it over with new hosts, we would listen to that. Sure. If there's I, I mean, as we as we inch closer to something that might may resemble a retirement, I could I could you know, or <laughs> if a number was high enough, like I'd be dumb. Yeah, to not be like that's fine. I need to take care of you know. Yeah, that's, my family. But yeah. it's happened. It's definitely happened. But I will say that number would make no financial sense with the reality no, for would sure. the podcast number would the podcast number remain the same or would it be the legacy number oh, good question good question i mean in a, in a, would in we a put that in the contract commercial society they would go yeah both. put in the contract you must we'll keep the legacy out. numbering or at least mention both <laughs> yeah. uh josh do 48 edward g my first comic book was the avengers number 58 even androids can cry in 1968 and the mythologies of the big two and other publishers stays fascinating and fun. If dumb at times now you go, why do you still read comic books? I have a a very simple, I have a very simple answer to this one. Okay. Mm -hmm. There there are books that come out every week, not all the books, but like not, not my entire stack, but like there's at least a quarter, you know, 25% of my stack. But I'm really excited to see what happens next. And like, I still Plus, believe he's, he's stuck down in a well. And so they're <laughs> yeah. easy to throw him down there. <laughs> they just throw him down. He's for fire. He's for kindling. They keep me warm. Both I'm mentally so sorry. And physically. No, it's okay. Thermally, thermal warmth is provided. No, <laughs> tucks into his pants like, and a shirt. No, I just, I, I, I still, <laughs> I still. For both warmth and protection against the varmint bites. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I won't say a word. You put enough of them in there. It's bulletproof from all the feud. It's good. I'm, I'm good. I'm I, yeah, yeah, Connor, right. I'm bulletproof. Um, I, I still believe in the medium and, and love it and get excited every single week when new books come out. Not every book, but but enough books to make it worthwhile. The potential of those believe books. me. Um, 
Actually, when you lean into the mic, it doesn't work. Believe me. Yeah, because you're allowing the echo to happen between your mouth and the mic. Uh, um, Yep, yep. Thank you. I think my answer is going to be a combination of sort of Ryan's and Josh's. And my answer is... What answer did Josh give? Josh didn't well, he provide I'm, I'm, I know what he's going to say, though, because I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, but I, um, I want to slam him for being, I, being a jerk. Answer. I still love the characters, and I care about what happens to them, and I want to know what happens next with them. I still love the format and the medium, and I love talking about it and analyzing it and seeing what works and what doesn't work, and I love discovering someone new. I love stumbling upon a Greg Smallwood who really you know makes things super exciting again. I, all that's true, but at the end of the day, I still want to know what's going to happen next week with Superman, as I've been doing since I was a kid. That's ultimately why I'm still reading comics. Yeah, I, I, you, you know what I'm going to say. I like I, I like the art form. I like the way that it works. I like I like the anticipation of finding someone or work that excites and surprises me. Um, I think about if you're like really into food, like you're looking for that perfect bite and it's ephemeral and ephemeral, ephemeral. And it, it comes in. It, it's ephemeral, which yeah. is when something comes quickly, but you remember it. Yeah. Um, that thing where also all of the time and effort, not in a bad way that we have put into understanding this medium and, and what works with it. And then to watch somebody do one of two things is to come along and just, own it and just do something really well. And this can happen between two panels. It can happen on a page. It can happen on a cover and then, or somebody who turns it upside down. And a lot of people try to do that, but somebody turns it upside down effectively and, and does a new thing. I mean, if you're going to talk about like, like it's, it's how we've been talking about Daniel Warren Johnson. It's how we were talking about Mark Russell for a while, A, a person who just brings something new to the table within the confines of the thing. I love it. That's why. That's what gets me excited. That's why, that's why, why Josh I show gets out of up. bed. Mm-hmm. Why you get out of bed I, on a Wednesday? You never know what you're going to I mean, I can barely get out of bed most <laughs> days. It's the worst part of my day. That's why your wife just rolls you off the bed to force she you to get up. She just leaves me. <laughs> Ron, do you want to do you want to contribute at all to this answer? Why you still read comics? Yeah, I mean, I get it's my paycheck. I get paid. <laughs> they give them to me, <laughs> and they tell you, "We, you want your paycheck." Read them. Yeah, you got to read these comics. So. There's a new issue of Rum, but I don't care. Hey, read it. That's how it works at Marvel. These comics don't read themselves. No, no, very, very lucky that it's part of work, but like, but also because uh, you know, because you care, because I'm invested. I want to see what happens. Yeah. I had a thought in college one night reading like Fantastic Four on my bed. I was like, I've been friends with these characters longer than people I know right now in this college. Like, I know more about Johnny Storm than I know about the guy across the hall. Like, that was a very weird realization that happened. Louis Kwok is back. Old. Hey. I, I was I was as shocked as anyone to see his name in the email box. Old school. Louis again has another existential question. Do you think you'll be reading comics for the rest of your lives? Assuming, by the way, the arc of the questions we've gotten on this show from when we were in our twenties to now we're in our forties is very different. <laughs> because they are too. Right. Assuming you have the financial health, etc., financial means, health, etc., to continue as you get older, do you just assume you'll be reading weekly for the rest of your lives, or is there an end point you've envisioned? This is interesting. I told the story mm. on one of our past shows, I believe, but when I moved here to Los Angeles, I was 33 years old, and I went to lunch with our pal Mike Romo, friend of the show, in Malibu at uh, Seafood Place in the Water. 
And I, yeah. we were talking about the show when I was 33, and I said, you know what? We've probably got a few more years left in us. I can't imagine anyone who wants to hear us doing this when we're 40. I got, that's what I thought at the time. I was like, we'll probably end this you know, in our late 30s because who wants to hear a bunch of 40-year-olds talk about comics? And now I don't even think that about, about the next few years anymore. Mm-hmm. And that also involves the reading process. Like I don't think about stopping reading. I don't think about stopping doing the show. Because we'd already talked about stopping the show in this episode. And so considering that goes on, I, I can see myself not reading weekly comics because the, the big the big driver for me in that is is that we have to do this and I appreciate it because that's what makes me do things. You prefer the weekly yeah. comic? I do, but you're I can't a weekly comic guy. I know, but I like I, I actually look at the show as as the impetus to keep doing that, so I can enjoy it. If I was on my own and I didn't have to, I don't know that I would. Now that isn't the same thing as saying that I wouldn't read comics. And enjoy them and enjoy the art form, but it would probably be less. So, not I would enjoy less. I just would probably start taking in less. I, I do less of all the things I did. I watch a lot less TV. I watch a lot less movies. I you spend I, so much time in your manifesto. That's why. <laughs> I assume. I, I assume mean, we are bringing it right back around to eugenics. I assume and, the prerequisite of living in New Hampshire is you must have a manifesto. Like every year, they come to check on it to make sure there is one. I don't. I think it's not. <laughs> like it's here's not your written. taxes, and here's my manifesto. Like it's a, a yeah we're not, we're not nobody's getting my tax money <laughs> exactly. like I, I don't it's not written it's not drafted but if you were to hand me a piece of paper and give me like a day and a half I could do that not paper but you know all right so I mean I don't think about stopping reading I don't think about no I don't even stuff. yeah I mean it's yeah. just something I've been doing for ever that I just you know do it I'm excited in the morning I wake up on Tuesday morning grab my iPad go to Comicology and get all the books that I've you know, pre-purchased. Like I'm excited to see what's out. I'm excited to see what's going on. See, I don't, I don't, I don't get excited about anything ever. <laughs> I like, no, I mean, it's a little bit, that's a, that's a little bit of my personality, but every time I have to be dragged into most things. And then afterwards I can, I really appreciate that I had done it. You know, I told the story earlier this week and you, you, you disputed that, but you just confirmed it for me. What? Earlier this week, no. I told the story about having to drag you into new initiatives that I fanboy and you, you got uh, miffed about that. Yeah, but because I don't like that about myself. Paul Peterson in the chat room says, I would transition from reading new stuff to rereading beloved older stuff. And that's probably a good portion of what would happen. I definitely would. That's what I do with TV now. Yeah. I would go back and to all the I, – I have a huge shelf in my bedroom of books. Exactly. And I see all these books and I'm like, God, I'd love to reread that one. And I just don't have the time because i got to read new stuff for the show. And the stuff that I have here is it's all masterpieces. Yeah. It's all very good. And so you can study that in the old, in the olden times, you know, people read Shakespeare over and over again. They, you know, you, you study the classics and stuff like that. I think that's, there's value in that. Final question, Josh, why don't you read it? The final question. Lou, Brian, Brian, Brian R number 50, Brian R. Do you have designs on episode one? Th- Jesus Christ. It's like Connor on Monday. What we got to do in the next show. <laughs> Do you have designs on episode 1000? And if so, how long you've been thinking about it? I haven't been. I will not think about it until episode 998. Which means well, Connor on the other hand. Probably not the 999, to be if honest. If anything is required <laughs> to produce it, that means I'll have to start thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I actually have <laughs> idly thought about it. I've got several ideas, but it's so far off. I've got a plan already. He's got a spreadsheet. It's it's all actually, it's in progress. I was, talk, I was hanging out with Mike Romo, and he asked me a similar question when I told him 900 coming up. And, and I, he, he had an Not idea. Oddly enough, he said 987. We were like, why? And he's like, what about that one? He had an idea for 1,000 that I hadn't thought of that I'll run by you guys later. But um, I, I've had idle thoughts about who – should we have guests on? Should we have old hosts on? Should we have people on from the past? Right. You know, um, It's a pretty big number. 
Is this is it fair? Is this the right point in the show in nine hundred to reveal to everybody that uh, AI has just been doing the show for the past right. two years? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so. we fed our voices into a large language model and we just tell them what to say. Yeah. Josh didn't like this yeah. book so much. Connor did. And- Honestly, and this this is actually a real answer. Is that part of me that of the of the show? And I like this about other things I watch. Is I like the routine of the thing that's normal. I, I hate special episodes. I hate when a bunch of guests come on to something that I want. I want a regular episode every time. That's the thing. And I know this is a little different, but it, it, it's 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 still us talking about the thing. It's not like other people. I'm not saying we have with, uh, Charles Nelson Riley come on. I'm saying like you know. No, no. I just I just mean like to me a testament to doing the show forever is that we just keep doing the show. Although I, I pre-booked Charles and, Nelson Riley for one thousand, just so you guys know, I'm letting you nice. know. Now. Um, I actually have thought about what the last few episodes would look like. Oh wow! You thought about the finale. Yeah. You know how like a show wow. will say, I know how the show's going to end? I've actually thought about yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. I would say we'd all vote on it and decide, but I've had, I've had ideas. It'll be the very last thing that will be what happened is it'll be like, all right, so now at these we end this uh, ratings. <laughs> how was your experience? It'll be like three and a half. Would you watch <laughs> it again? No. It's, it's going to be when one of us dies on air. Um, all right. Well, that was the final question, guys. Unless you want me to go back and grab more. If I died on air. Do you air that? Oh, absolutely. And, and also, production-wise, how do you wrap that up? Do you do you bring up the music? There would be so many ads on that show because it would get out. People would flock to it. But Ron and I would would monetize the fuck out of that episode. Yeah, exactly. Lindsay better get her part. No, no, of course, she gets paid. a third. I mean, Connor, it, it would be what he wanted. Absolutely. It's, Josh really wanted us to hear about Harry's right way, now. She gets a third. Yeah. I'm dead, and you're like, you don't get any extra. It's in the contract. We own Listen, the I, got bills, the I got bills yeah. to pay, Josh. I also have, you know, money <laughs> issues. <on> the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. How would we end it? I don't know. Maybe we'd probably end it on like something ERS, like maybe the Ryan's sound like, of the ambulance driving away or <laughs> no. <laughs> you ended on don't stop believing, right? Don't yeah, stop. Yeah, it's gonna black. No, um, that's hack. Paul in the chat got this. Got dark fast. This really did. <laughs> he should hang out with us. More. I don't. I don't. I don't see it as darkness. I see it as an opportunity. Right. Ryan's just waiting for this to happen. He's going to take it over there. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be dead, so I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm counting. I'm counting the days. Like, come on. Are you counting the days till Josh dies or till I die? Or both. Whoever. <sighs> we know I mean, Ron's your favorite. We know Ron's your favorite. You're always talking I about. Can't ima- I can't imagine a scenario where you both don't go out together. So. <laughs> I think we both uh, go down. It would be at a barbecue place, and we'd have one more rib each, and it would be the last rib we ever had. Don't stop. Um, what are the chances that we both choke on a rib bone? No, one of us would have a heart attack. All the other chokes. I mean, I like Josh, that. if you if you laid in the trampet with Connor, where you're both like yeah, going we have a rib <laughs> between us, and we got oh, blah, 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 and... like like if we're sitting at the table, right? I lean over and go. Right, this is gonna sound weird, but. <laughs> Is a thing I've always wanted to do, and I ordered these beef ribs for a reason. And I just listen; it's I, it's not a sex thing. Beef ribs, wow! Beef you ribs. have to; it's big enough. Yeah, it's if pork rib is too small, you want spare We're ribs? Just kissing if spare ribs rib. are just like, it's gotta, yeah. It's got to be a beef rib, and, I, and I'm like, all right, listen. I promise this isn't a sex thing, Ron. Ron, you've heard Josh. It takes a lot of rib to clog that. Takes a lot of rib. <laughs> I got a lot of air, but the hole's not necessarily that big. <laughs> All right. Um, this was fun. Thanks, everyone Airball. who wrote in. Sorry if your email got skipped. We had to for time. But you and all wrote Also, in, you're welcome. You also wrote it to contact.fanboy.com. We do appreciate everyone who wrote in. I know you don't. We do feel bad that we couldn't do everyone, but we are not as young as we used to be. I need to get up early. 
several of those comments out of context are funny. Hole's not big. Everybody. So let's end the show as we normally do. You can go back behind this feed and find some of our other shows. Uh, go back to the feed and find Josh talk to Rick Remender on his Talksplode show. You can go back and find Josh and Ron and I talking about HBO and Media Splode show. We did all kind of all things HBO in a little bit. Turned into a whole HBO episode. It was really fun. We talked about winning time and the future state of HBO, where it's come, the best shows of all time on HBO. It's a good HBO show. Also out now on the feed behind this show is the Booksplode. We talked about the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Edition where you went back to the ni- early heyday 90s and talked about the biggest event in comics and had a good time doing it. Later this month of October, Josh has a talks load. The guest is booked, right? Mm. You said it was booked. It's agreed. Ish. It's not booked. Oh, it's not time booked. It's just, it's, it's, it's agreed upon. It, 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 There's a huge comic convention going on right now. I thought it was agreed to consider. No, no, let's do it. At, but, but we're going to talk about the, right. it, that, I don't know if you know, these conventions are pretty disruptive to the life of the creators. Okay. So. All right. It's the first time hearing of it. And then later on, we have a me- another media explode about a topic unknown. We'll find out. And before we move on, I want to give a special thanks. To Professor Ryan Haley and his students in Creative and Cultural Industries 304 Podcasting. That was the class that was crazy enough to let Josh and I come and guest lecture about the art of, the art of podcasting. The they listened to Josh and I babble and uh, bicker for 90 minutes. For, it was supposed to be a 60 minutes conversation. <laughs> we went half an hour over, over time, which is on brand that's, that's for us. Fitting. We had a really good time. They asked terrific questions. They laugh at some of our jokes. They probably got some of our references. And there was a point where we realized they were all born after the show had started. And so or I fanboyed, oh, no. they, were, no. they were all born after I fanboyed started. Oh, dear Lord. You know, every like college class is a couple of like old people. There wasn't one of those. They were great. You remember in Ithaca? In our, our class, we had a, we had a, we had one old guy. I, I can't picture him. I don't know his name, but there was one old the guy. The guy with the beard? I feel like I see him in an army jacket, but I might just be thinking of like a Vietnam era movie. <laughs> so anyway, they were terrific. They had great questions and it was a lot of fun. So thanks to uh, Professor and you won't hear it. Professor Haley and his class, they were awesome. And I think we have another one that we we're going to be doing. We're just suddenly we're on the we're on the college. Is he circuit. also named Ryan? How many other Ryans are you talking to? We only talk to Ryans who, who are involved in university systems. So you're Ryan, good. Ryan, since you're talking, why don't you plug your show? I do a show called Science Sort of. We recorded a really great episode uh, recently that won't be out by the time this episode comes out, but it's about some work I did in Panama. If you want to hear about my time in Panama digging up crocodile fossils, that's that's. Did your time in Panama include G. Gordon Liddy in any way? Not directly. <laughs> it, it definitely included... What about E. Howard Hunt? You ever heard that name? Did it have anything to do with Roosevelt's famous journey down the river of... De- <laughs> Not river Roosevelt, but, but Ford and Carter are involved. So oh, interesting. There's definitely a U.S. presidential connection. So sciencesortof.com is where you, you can find it. Yes, sir. Ron, you're here. You want to talk about uh, Android? We had that. Someone mentioned an email earlier. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, head over to AndroidFaithful.com where you check out my new podcast uh, with my co-hosts, uh, Huynh Dow and Michelle Rahman. And we're talking about the wonderful world of Android phones and mobile tech and good, good fun stuff there. You guys use this studio, don't you? We use StreamYard. Yes, indeed. Because yeah. I was looking, I was when I was adding the doorbell, I was like, what's this Android theme? And I clicked on it and I was like, oh, I guess they use this studio too. Nice. It was just funny. It was like finding out someone else is using six A and Rockefeller. I think I used it. I think I used it to test it because uh, I'm I'm using Tom's thing for the show. Oh right, so, right. Yeah. okay. Cool. So I can I can delete that one from the archive. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, Ron and Ryan. We'll get to you in a second again. You can find our library of over one thousand three hundred shows and counting over at fanboy.com and wherever podcasts are sold. Follow us at fanboy comics on Instagram to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And sometimes the best week of panels probably not this week because my head is killing me. 
Individually, we are CS Kilpatrick on Instagram, Jay Flanagan on Instagram, Ryan Haupt on Instagram, and Ron XO on Instagram. And everything. Are you Ron XO on everything? With all the new ones, were you able to get Blue Sky and Mastodon? Are you the real Ron XO anywhere? On TikTok, I'm like the Ron XO. Uh, do you do dances on TikTok? I'm on Mastodon and Blue Sky. Have you ever posted what are you doing on TikTok? on TikTok? Are you talking to the people about QAnon? No, or? I need to look at what we're posting. I need to look at I'm, what we're doing. You're not posting your own oh, explainer videos? I know. I'm not. No, I'm not. You should become anything. like a whole Long Island hardcore guy on there and be just like no. talk about the, the past and get on. Hey, guys, I'm here to talk about the best places you can find Snapple in Long Island. Let's go check it out. <laughs> would I would watch that. It would be great is that every time it's just the same store. <laughs> it's you're the like, same hey, back here. The temperature's cold. <laughs> he got a new like, shipment. This is the other store you went to. Yeah, but we're on Wontaw. Uh, Josh, you align, Josh. It's your time Josh, on the script. You're, Josh. you're blowing it. 18 years. I'm not. I was doing it. a bit. I'm entertaining. It's the last line. We, we all have to go. We're yeah. all done. Fine. Subscribe to youtube.com slash ifanboy where you'll find all of our old video shows. We will post this show every week. Please consider writing us a review or leaving a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nico, straight up read. I added nothing to it. We didn't say do that. Yeah. We just said read it. Ifanboy.com. <laughs> Thanks to Ryan. And Wait, the- Ron, real quick. Who's the most influential character from Star Wars? The most influential character from, like, influences other characters? The most important character in the story. <laughs> I think Josh did edibles. He might have. I mean, it's got to be Luke. It's Luke's story. It's Luke's story, right? <laughs> that's correct. That's, that's the correct, correct answer. That's the correct answer. answer. Yeah. That's, what's not, the, what's not the wrong question. answer? Anybody else? Anyone, anyone else? No. Anything no. Else? That was no. the perfect answer, Ron. Say yeah. nothing that's more. Exactly. You, you passed the test. Okay. Good. I hope I passed the audition. So thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ron, for his unexpected drop-in, like a sitcom neighbor. Two of us. Everyone who's listened over eighteen years, thank you for joining us this nine hundred or 1300 episode journey. We do appreciate every single one of you. We would not be here without you. And we appreciate you deciding we are entertaining enough to add to your weekly list of things to enjoy. And we'll hopefully we'll be here another 18 years in which we'll be a certain age that I can't even ponder. Until then I am Connor. I'm Ryan. I'm Ron. You just say he's Josh in that voice one more time. He's Josh. It's so much better when you're far away from the microphone. Mm-hmm. See you, everybody. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Stay safe out there.